Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I'm worried driving the car with Dubsday and CT test. I'm not going to give this any more credence. I'm not going to let the person win. I will not be a victim. We have nothing to put the patient onto, so they're safer on an ambulance trolley. What I did in the morning, PJ, is crack. It's like outing. Join the conversation. Call 0818 very good morning to you. Here we are. It's Monday morning. It's Gareth O'Callaghan in for another week. PJ away for uh, another week until tomorrow week, in fact, including the bank holiday weekend. So uh, we'll be with you right up until Tuesday week. Lovely to be here again. Um, and thank you also for lots of nice comments from many of you over the weekend by texts and uh, on our uh, opinion line email just saying lovely to listen to you during the week looking forward to next week as indeed am I I hope you had a nice weekend the dubs won the kingdom was conquered uh, lots of <clears throat> sort of vaguely lonely individuals I'm sure it's just wandering around Dublin this morning looking a bit like zombies wondering where the railway station is and hoping to get home having not said to the boss that they'd be taking a day off this is true because I've seen it over the years particularly with Kerry obviously Kerry with their dynamite might uh, have always put it up to Dublin but uh, extraordinary game yesterday um, defence power on both sides low scores but what a game we'll come back and talk about it later now give us a shout if you would like to send a message if you would like to email us with a more detailed item it's uh, it's it's sorry it's opinion at 96fm.ie for your emails so a story about my phone now on friday when i left here i literally made a mad dash to the railway station my wonderful wife dropped me so that i was able to catch the 1225 train to dublin and uh, stayed with my mother over the weekend and she sends you her very best wishes this morning but um i had planned to kind of do a little bit of work on the phone and when i got on the phone and got on the train and sorted out all my bags and put them away i sat back took out my headphones and was going to listen to some music on the way up and send a couple of emails only to find my phone had expired it's dead it's literally like that parrot sketch in Monty Python. It's a dead parrot phone. 
um, it looked remarkably unfazed when I sort of tried to get into it on Friday. I have this thumbprint contact which allows me into it. I used to think this was amazing technology until I realised that I was last in the queue to get it. But uh, the phone is now officially dead. It's gone into the drawer of dead phones. It's a graveyard of phones that I have sort of kept for... I suppose decades and decades, right back into the 90s when I had the Nokia 6210. There's an old Motorola in there which died as well and then you gradually work your way up through the Nokia range and then I moved up to uh, the Blackberry and then I moved into... Uh, I didn't go iPhone, oddly enough. I, I went Android and I was... I'm still, I'm a big Samsung uh, fan. But anyway, um, I had that fear, phone fear... Uh, phone phobia, telephobia, whatever you call it. I was sitting there and the whole train journey was spent anxiously worrying that no one could get in contact with me. Um, because I, like it, so many people, you become a slave to your phone. You think your phone is wonderful and you're in control of it. It's the other way around, as I found. Your phone controls you. Your temperament, your blood pressure, your heartbeat... Everything that, you know, you were looking forward to. I had a little bit of lunch I was looking forward to. Didn't eat it. Had a little flask of tea with me. Oh, left it there. And I just that sat just staring out the window thinking, I'm doomed. I'm doomed. I'm lost in society. And I was thinking, what if something happens? Who do I contact? I can't get out of the bank. Can't check my balance. Can't get in touch with family. My wife will be terribly worried because usually she hears from me every half an hour. <sighs> so eventually, I got off in Dublin. I legged it out of the railway station and ran into a pub and said to the barman, can I use your phone? He said, no. I said, well, it's just because my phone has died and I want to ring home. No. Now, that's another story. The psychology of giving your phone to somebody else, getting their grubby fingers all over it and thinking, Ugh. you know post-COVID and all that. Anyway, I eventually found a little shop uh, in Marlborough Street in the city centre and I went in and a lovely Chinese man with his son there fixing phones. He looked at the phone and he said, no, you either fix the LSD screen or you get a new phone. I said, well, the LSD screen will cost me about €140. Euro. The phone's not worth that. So, to cut a long story short, I went through the whole weekend phoneless. Extraordinary sensations and reactions here and there. Um, and I kind of thought to myself, what if I am unfortunate enough to be mugged? But then I thought to myself, well, if you're mugged, you probably won't be able to use your phone and they'll have robbed it anyway. So I began to rationalize things. And by last night, I said to myself, right, I'm going in to present the show on Monday. And I think I might just try an experiment over the next few days. So in my phone head, I'm going to go back 30 years to 1993 when I had a Nokia 6210. It could send little clumsy texts. If the text was too big, you ran out of text space. So you'd only send half a text. And then you had to pay for the second half to send that on. Uh, you couldn't take photographs. You couldn't check anything online because... Well, there wasn't anything online at that stage. You couldn't email anyone, couldn't do your banking business. You couldn't do anything. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to see how far into the week I get. And I'd love to hear your experience if you found yourself in a similar situation where literally your phone says, oh, and then you shake it and you realize it's dead. That was its last breath. You know, you tap it off the table and then you shake it and you kind of thump it with your finger. 
Anyway, let me know if you have had an experience with your phone in a similar vein where you just feel you're living on an unexplored island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean that no one's ever heard of and no one contacts you and no one knows you're actually still there. They just get a ring-out tone or a voice message. Anyway, give us a shout if uh, if you've been in that situation. 083 396 96 96 is our number. Good morning to you. Now, according to Examiner journalist Mary McCarthy, fubbing, P-H-U-B-B-I-N-G, fubbing is tearing marriages apart. So turn off your phone and save your sex life. That's the advice. Firstly, Mary, good morning. Gareth, hello. Listen, it's the Irish Independent, not the Irish Examiner. Oh, oh my goodness. Well, I, I, you know, I, I was looking at... Now, I have both newspapers here in front of me, but it was actually... Um, it, it was Tony Lean's report of uh, the match yesterday in Crow Park. Oh, and yeah. Oh, so I, that, would, that, would, that would dazzle anyone, the, the, the report of the match. No, it's, I have a column in the Irish Independent on a Thursday. I know, I know. I know. And my apologies, by the way, because I, I'm... No problem. I was looking at your superb coverage of the match yesterday. Colin Keyes and Joe Brawley and I'll be talking about that later I hope I've made myself up have I? Okay (laughs) Anyway this is Mary McCarthy from the uh, Irish Independent fubbing um, and I was just talking about my experience of my phone dying over the weekend but this is an extraordinary phenomenon in that it's tearing marriages apart first of all what is fubbing? Okay, well, first of all, that barman, I can't get over it that he wouldn't let you use his phone. Like, that's a bit mean, isn't it? Yeah. That's, well, I didn't, <laughs> really I, didn't buy a, I, I didn't buy a drink, so that's probably the reason. I'm, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, right. Well, you know, even still, you know, that's yeah. common courtesy. Anyway, fubbing. Okay, so it's actually, it's actually a term that's 12 years old, and it was coined when... Um, Australia's national uh, dictionary, which is called the Macquarie Dictionary, they wanted to rebrand or they wanted to advertise their their rebrand and an advertising agency came up with this term. So it's a portmanteau of phone and snubbing. So back in 2012, that's when the smartphone kind of came out and that's when people started you know, getting really into their phones because like you were saying, Gareth, there back in 93 when you got your Nokia, there was, I mean, you could play snakes on it. That was the tops, you know, there was no <laughs> other right, yeah. distraction. But suddenly now you can get all this information. So people started snubbing. But actually, it wasn't really acceptable until in recent years. And there's been, since 2016, that was the first research on fubbing and kind of who does fubbing and, you know, their effect on relationships. And there's more research coming out now. And um, it's now, it's only now that it's become acceptable. So, like, if you are sitting with a friend, you know, it, it's kind of akin to taking out a book. Like, you meet a friend for coffee and you decide to take out your book and start reading it, like, midway through the conversation. But that is exactly what looking at your phone is. It's really, really rude. But it's become acceptable because phones have become... They're, they we conduct our everyday lives, our everyday lives on them. Like you're totally lost in the woods, yeah. you know, when you've lost yours because they become an extension of us. So basically, this research from is the latest research on fubbing, and it comes from Turkey. And there was two psychologists, and they asked these seven hundred and about seven hundred and fifty married couples about their phone use and how happy they were, how satisfied they were with their relationship. And it was they found this really strong correlation that couples who engaged in this fubbing uh, were actually a lot unhappier. So they were pointing out that kind of a healthy sex life, that's part of your marriage. But these 
well it should be you know a part of a good relationship but these couples were really unhappy and really not satisfied so they came to the conclusion that you know uh, there's a high level of fubbing going on it's it's going to be bad for your relationship and by extension your sex life so that's the research that came out and i think a lot of people actually it kind of touched a nerve with a lot of people and I, I only know this because like you know you often write articles and no one says anything they just disappear into the ether you know but this one now I got a lot of texts from people saying it drives me mad he's like you know he's on playing like candy crush or he's checking uh, tiktok videos in bed or she's doing it or whatever you know and like that should be a time when you're you know so anyway I decided to write about it because I thought it was quite interesting um it's fascinating and, because yeah. I, this, I remember, and, and now that you mention it and explain it, Mary, I remember seeing it in a restaurant many years ago where uh, the two individuals were clearly fubbing. Uh, they had ordered their starters and the two of them just sat there looking at their phones and just, they, they weren't even aware that the other person was sitting on the other side of the table. Yeah, so if you're if you're fubbing, you're the fubber and then the fubby. But if you're both fubbing each other, and this study was really interesting because it showed that if both of you fub each other, you're more unhappy. If one of you fub, you're more unhappy. So you, fubbing is just full stop bad for your relationship. Well, essentially what you're saying is you, there's nothing really, you, you don't really interest, like this phone is more interesting than you are. Like, Gareth, I am just so happy. My dating years were pre, you know, I've been with my husband for like 23 years. I like my dating years are pre this fubbing. I just can't get my head around it. How, you know, it must be so difficult for people to mm. get to know each other. There's all these, you know, there's, there's, there's all these distractions, but even just making arrangements, I just find people are so sloppy now because they'll say, oh yeah, let's meet up on uh, Tuesday. Look, we'll, why don't we go for lunch? I'll, I'll confirm in the morning. And it's just, so we kind of, the way we behave now, I think it encourages checking your phone a lot because, you know, back when we didn't have smartphones, like when I started college in 95, I actually, this is just a little story which will just show how much the world has changed. When I got my first mobile, I actually shared it with my friend Anne-Marie. So I had it for six months and then she took it for six months because the contract was so expensive, you know, like so what to have your own gesture. phone. Oh, that's a lovely gesture. You sort of so, think, yeah, okay, but, you, but, you have it for this weekend and I'll have it for next weekend. Was well, that, no, we didn't do that because right, okay. that might be, you know, like, oh, what's that? Who's texting you? No, we did it for, I took it for six months and then she right. took it for six months. Wow. And then by the end of the year, it had become so much cheaper. But, you know, just as you were describing your first Nokia, the way the texts, I mean, to send a text would take ages because you had to put it in. Like it was a real laborious yeah. like process, you know, it's, it's, so I kind of feel these days, it's, it just must be so much harder, you know, because it's like in, in the old days back in, you know, pre-smartphones, pre you'd meet someone for a date, you go out, you're sitting there, you're chatting, but now you've got like the phone might ring or not even ring, mm. but just like beep. I mean, like people, you know, they're more likely just to message each other and, other and not like ring each other. So I kind of feel people really, and this research shows, and there will be more research done on it now that it's, you know, now that our phones are used for everything like to, your library books you know you book your library books you check in at the gym like they're just it's like an extension of us you know so i think yeah i remember i was looking at my old nokia last night because my 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 recent phone has now joined the, the phone cemetery and um, <laughs> it was the 6210 and do you remember it, it, it there were no letters 
one, two, three, four, five, six. It was like a keypad. But number one yes. represented A, B, C. Number two represented D, E, F. Number three was G, H, I. And you had to press twice if you wanted the letter B on the digit one. So it was a case of like saying to somebody, don't disturb me for about an hour now. I want to send a text. And Oh, it, yeah, absolutely. It, yeah. And then you'd get this sort of beep, burp, beep, burp. And then you'd have to backtrack and sort of wipe out a whole word if you got one letter wrong. It was just, it kind of made you think, no, I'll just make a phone call. Like texting but back then was this. a chore. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Gareth, it was a chore. It was convoluted. And I think now a lot of our communication now is just meaningless because it's so easy. And we don't, you know, so you can, you just fire off. Like I see my teenagers Snapchat. I mean, they must get hundreds of Snapchat yeah. messages a day saying nothing. Whereas then they, they don't even meet up with each other. You know, they send each other like a hundred text messages, Snapchat messages, snaps as they're called. But like, I'm like, just go to the park and play football. So I, I feel <laughs> it is actually kind of a dangerous and particularly for couples. I think that, you know, it's just so easy to, to lapse. I do it myself. Like you're on the sofa in the evening, you're both of your cruising your phone separately. Before, like you might be chatting or, or even going for a walk. I mean, the other, I'm terrible now. I like, I am actually quite a bad fubber and I will get out my phone. It's like I just have this compunction to check it. So, I mean, I really do need to keep an eye on it. And I'm actually on holidays now for a few weeks. I'm going interrailing with my kids. So I've actually put a limit of an hour use on my phone every day, starting from today. So I don't know how that's going to go, but I really do think it's going to be really, really hard because... I, I kind of started keeping track of how many times I check my phone. I actually had to stop because I was, it was too upsetting because I was mm. literally checking it so much, you know. Well, you've just lost 12 minutes out of that hour today, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I made an exception. I made an All exception. All right, okay. Well, well, stay with me if you can because uh, I've got Trisha on the line. Morning to you, Trisha. Hi, hi. Uh, you're a self-confessed fubber, but so is your husband. But in a, in, in a funny way, you know, you might see something on one of the apps and send it to each other. That sort of way. Not, you know, you wouldn't be sitting beside, like, sitting beside each other in bed and then send it to each other. But it's um, what she was saying, your, your, your other caller was saying about, um, you know, you get a notification, you've got to check it. It's the watch for me that is linked to the phone. So you don't, now I'm on the phone to you, my watch is beeping. Someone sends me WhatsApps. So you're constantly a slave to it. So you can put your phone away, but mm. you've got the watch on your hand. Right. And so there's no but getting if, away if, from if it. you're sending each other stuff, that's not... Oh, something funny. Yeah. You know, well, that's not, that's you not know. really fubbing, but have you found no. yourself sitting in a pub maybe... Oh, no, obsessing but I did see... It? No, I did see what you saw on Saturday afternoon a young couple and they came in and they sat across from each other and they were on their phones and they didn't look up. That's sad, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. And they were in their 20s and I thought, oh, it is sad. It is sad. You lose the art of conversation. But I've seen it with people at concerts. You know, they're constantly on the phone. You know, the band's playing down there at Wembley Stadium. Yeah, they, you know? they, they pay 120 euro for the ticket and then they're, they're, and they're then sitting on their phone, yeah. Exactly, exactly. But, no, we don't We don't actually do that, you know, technically fubbing. But, you know, funny, funny stuff. If you had to yeah. leave your phone at home or give it away for a few days, Tricia, how would you feel? Oh, I couldn't do it, no. Would you? No. 
you'd kind of lose your mind. Your, yeah, fo- your I phone check it. It has to be in my, my bag yeah. because it needs to be synced to my watch. So. What about you, Mary? Oh, yeah. No, I, I you know, I told, I, Trisha, like, I, you know, I do agree with you. It can be kind of funny. In a way, like the smartphone lets us connect with people. So sending them funny stuff, that kind of helps connection. But it's just ironic that now it's come full circle that it's actually damaging connections. But yeah, I, I turned off all notifications because I I just found it so distracting. And even just getting work done, I couldn't do it because like the phone would beep and you'd instantly want to check. So I just turned off all notifications. So I do have the phone with me in the bag, but I'll often not look at it for a few hours because I don't know who's, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't have any notifications. So just unfortunately, sometimes that can backfire a little. <laughs> Mary, just, uh, th- and I'm talking to Mary McCarthy from the Irish Independent. Just if how many, just off the top of your head, this will give you an indication of how seriously attached to your phone you are. Like, have you a phone soul that sort of supersedes your 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 personal soul? How many apps on your phone are almost like food every day to you? Do you know what, Gareth? I I actually took I took Instagram and Twitter off my mobile because I, I, they were really just making me unhappy because they yeah. were, as you say, like food. So I do, I do have, yeah, I have. And then there's loads of news sites. I sign up to too many news sites. So I'm do- constantly, I do have the news sites on my, on my phone, but no notifications. So I probably have about six apps and they are, I'm up in the morning and you know, it's, I, I really feel now I've reached crisis points so where I'm so happy I'm doing this detox. And you kind of did a detox there, Gareth, even though it was like an, an, an involuntary detox. <laughs> but I, I think everyone should try that and just see, can they live without it? And they'll probably find that they might be a bit happier without it. I have, I, I don't know now what's going to happen with this detox, but I suspect and obviously, I'm in the news business, so I fully I think people should subscribe to the news and read the news. But when you're reading it all day and you're looking for, you know, stories, just scrolling mindlessly, you know, it just, I think it's it's food for your soul and it is bad food. Yeah. So, yeah. But as you say, I mean, you know, the, the three big papers, you know, the, the Examiner, the Independent, the Times, like I subscribe to them because I love news and I'm a journalist. And Yeah, it, exactly, it, same, know, yeah. Like particularly the great columnists that are there writing opinion pieces that's that's food for me and it's interesting because uh, i'm kind of at a stage now where i'm thinking yeah i'm going to give up twitter because well in fairness i followed barack obama there last year and he's never written back to me he didn't follow me back either so <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, but outrageous i know i know but but that, you know i i think uh, like do you love your phone or do you have a love hate relationship with it if you want the truth, I think I hate my phone. I really yeah. do. Mm-hmm. I think I hate it. I hate what it's kind of done to me. I was like, you know, I would be, I am such a, like, I love chatting with people, but I find I I, I actually would prefer if I had a Nokia. <laughs> I really yeah. do. And even for all the benefits, like, you know, it's so handy. You can reserve your library tickets. You can check out, you know, if you're, I'm in Brighton at the moment, I was able to whip out my phone and go, okay, good place for coffee. Where can I find coffee? And I was there in two minutes and it is so handy. But if I had to actually on balance say, I want to give it back and just go back to pre-smartphone, I actually would do it. That's what I do. So uh, this is why I think I really need to recalibrate and 
just change how I I behave with my phone, you know, so that's what I'm trying to do. But you know what I started doing, Gareth? I started bringing out a book with me. And every time my husband, because he is a desperate fubber, every time he whips out his phone just to check the weather apps or check the, you know, football scores, I take out my book. Like, so we'd be out out for dinner there the other night and he was just taking out his phone and he wasn't doing anything. He was cruising TikTok. So I whipped out my book, sat there and he didn't notice for, you know, maybe about 90 seconds. Then he was like, what are you doing? you doing with your book like put it away like this is so embarrassing yeah. and I was like but you've got your phone like it's the same thing you know like <laughs> so he was like oh like and I, I was kind of like okay yeah you're actually right so that's I think he's becoming now that he's got the threat of the the big tome will be hauled out when he whips out the phone so like it is I think people really need to kind of think okay am I am I ignoring my kids like you know am I ignoring my you know my my other half like what what is this phone like actually yeah. what, what is the effect this phone is having yeah. on me and my life you know and that's it like if if you had to if you had to give away your laptop for a week or your phone for a week which would you give away oh i couldn't give away my laptop because that's my like that's my little kind of you know that is my means of production you know yeah. that's how i i write so i couldn't give away the laptop but like I do, I do, I totally like. Okay, say your passport understand. or your phone for six months. Six months without a passport or six months without a phone. Oh, that's easy. I mean, you know, passport. I definitely <laughs> give up the passport. I'm not jet setting around, do I? <laughs> so you're kind of just saying, I'm, I'm going to give away my nationality. I'm keeping my phone. I don't care about. <laughs> exactly. You know, the nationality out the window. Who cares? Yeah. No, yeah, no, no. I think, um, as you said, you're you are kind of lost. You're you're thrown into this space where nobody can contact you. But that was the way it was all the time. You know, yes. like. That's how it was. You went out and like in in some ways it was kind of handy enough. Like you'd be go out when you're 15. Like nowadays I can track my 15 year old. I can see mm. where he is, you know, and I think that it is when you do lose your phone, like you did, Gareth, or your phone just died. Yeah. It does throw you into this space where you're like, oh, nobody can contact me. What if something happens? But like, how do we cope with that before? Like in schools now, this is kind of going off tangent a bit. That a lot of schools are bringing in this these yonder pouches this year. So um, they're basically these pouches that close with a magnet and you can't open them. And all the kids will have to put their phones in. And then at the end of the day, there's these unlocking stations and you can tap your phone and the pouch opens. So a lot of schools in Ireland, like it's huge. Like I did an, I did a piece on this a few months ago. And at that stage there was like, I think it was 60 schools that had signed up. So, I mean, there's going to be a lot more schools as the coverage goes on. So like I'd say this time next year that you'll have maybe a quarter of all secondary schools have signed up to this. Mm. So that is effectively locking the phone away from, you know, nine to half three. Uh, So you won't be contacted, you know, you won't be able to use it. And I think more and more like that kind of mentality is going to seep in, like maybe not immediately, but over the next five years, I think the like there will be a tendency to, you know, to actually actively try and move away from from phones, you know. That's just what I think, anyway. Well, UNESCO, as you probably know, they want smartphones banned from all schools everywhere. Yeah, Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, yeah. But also, uh, there was some research, I was looking at this um, this morning on my laptop, which I'd usually look at on my phone, but it was saying that the less time you spend on your phone, the happier you are generally, which makes a lot of sense, because I, I found by last night... Um, I had a kind of a, an inner sense of peace and I was more relaxed 
yeah. Because like yeah. you, I have to admit, I hate my phone. It's a, a necessary evil, if you want to call it that. But yeah, I do too. Mary, great to talk yeah. to you and enjoy the interrailing. It sounds like a great experience. Oh, we'll see. Listen, thanks for having me on, Gareth. I really enjoyed it. Great to talk to you. Thank you, Mary. Uh, That's Mary McCarthy there, columnist with the Irish Independent, and uh, she writes a great column on a Thursday in the newspaper. Join the conversation! Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. This is the Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Fox 96FM! We're talking about fubbing this morning. Um, this is, it's not a new um, experience. It goes back, um, I think, 15 years. I remember seeing couples in restaurants and in pubs just completely ignoring each other. Not even aware that they were out of the chat zone with each other, but they were just scrolling on their phones and scrolling and scrolling. So I'm just Google News and news threads and news feeds and not even reading stuff. Just sort of you could see the fingers flipping up, flipping up, flipping up. And that's phone snubbing or fubbing. Trisha's still on the phone. Hi, Trisha. Hiya, hiya. Um, like, what do you, is this, if you say, for example, somebody said to you, don't use your phone for a week, how would you react? No, I couldn't. I, my podcasts are on there. I'd go crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't. No, I couldn't. I mean, I felt for you like if the, I was on a three-hour train journey mm. and I didn't have anything to listen to. It drove me mad. Yeah, I I had, um, it was only in in hindsight I was kind of thinking to myself, I probably looked like a guy who didn't have a ticket and I was hoping to get away with it. You know that, (laughs) the look look of fear in your eyes and you're looking at the window thinking, oh, like... Don't come near me, don't come near me. And then I went to the bathroom and I came back down the the carriage and everybody was on their phone. Every single person on the carriage. And um, <laughs> just... Yeah, that is, it, yeah. Is, it is bad. Do you know where I've noticed that? I mean, it's bad here, and I assume it's bad now, but we were in... Um, couple of, about a month ago now, we were in Lisbon. Oh, lovely, and, yeah. Oh, beautiful. Mm. But, you, you know, it's busy there. We were in a tuk-tuk. Fabulous trip. Um, and then you've got the trams going around and everything like that. And the number of times this poor chap had to slam on the brakes because people just crossing, heading the phone, oh, heading yeah. the phone. Yeah. And that's yeah. the worst. But that's the place I noticed it the worst. I saw a guy walk into a lamppost, actually. He had his... his uh he had his headphones on and he was looking at the phone as well and didn't see this great big cylindrical lamppost in front of him. Yeah, yeah, I've seen videos like that with people yeah. like near-death experiences as well. And do you know what I noticed as well, Trish? And I've seen this, I saw this actually, I was in Lisbon a good few years ago and um, a group of us were over there and we were we were brought into this beautiful restaurant and we had a table booked and I was really excited about the food because I've, I had heard that the food was excellent. But while we were waiting to be seated, the number of people who actually came up to the maitre d' and said, what's the Wi-Fi password? Oh. I'm thinking, you, you're, in, you're in a skylight restaurant that overlooks one of the most beautiful cities in the world and you yeah. want to get on your mobile phone. Oh, it's, that's it's just wrong, isn't it? Yeah. It is wrong. It is wrong. I mean, it is lovely, isn't that? Yeah. It's so, so lovely. Do you, I really um, enjoyed do, it. Do you hate your phone or do you love your phone? No, no, I'm I'm neutral. Mm. I'm neutral. I'm neutral. I have my, my head... I, you know what the journalist was saying earlier, the notification thing? I don't have that on anything. 
on yeah. anything. There, I do that WhatsApp that came through from my friend. That was different, but I do not have notifications for any tweets, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram. Nothing. Nothing. Mm. I don't even have them for email. I have to physically go in and look yeah. for an email. I don't have that. So, because it might interrupt my podcast. Yeah, I, and you know, I, I, I love your, your attitude. I think that's what smartphones are, are for. They're, they're for taking what is your cherished hobby with you, making it a mobile affair with the podcasts, and also with the likes of music playlists that you might have put together yes. yourself. One of, yes. the, one of the happiest times I find is when I'm traveling on the train and I get together, I, I get to put my uh, a brand new concept playlist together. And the most recent one I put together, now unfortunately it's doomed, it's gone to the graveyard <laughs> with the phone, was my punk rock playlist. Oh, right. Oh, Eddie and the Hot Rods, do anything you want to do, the Sex Pistols pretty vacant so much good stuff you know um yeah but no i i agree with you and finally and this is a really nosy question is is your phone is it one of the older type phones or have you a sort of slap bang up to date brand new phone yeah slap bang up to date iphone and iphone watch yeah Ooh, i know yes. i know podcasts must sound amazing <laughs> oh <laughs> no, seriously uh, i found this um, it's, it, it, I think it's a TV show in America called Dateline. Yeah. And they do podcasts. And I'm, just put it this way, I will never go to Utah or Idaho because they just keep the murders. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know, yeah. Oh, it's real, it's true crime fair, stuff. It, it is, and it's mostly women killing men. Yeah. 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 I always say to my husband, I know how to get away with a murder. No <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll put him off snubbing anyway. That's sure. <laughs> he is, he, him and TikTok. Yeah. You know, and you, you'd see him, he's sitting out in the garden, you know, <laughs> I'm going, what's that one? Oh, look at this one, look at this one. Like, it's not funny, don't know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Yeah. Um, what podcast are you listening to at the moment, can I ask? Um, uh, I'm waiting for the full season of the one the Irish Independent have done on some bank robber. Oh yeah, that's excellent. They, they've an excellent series on that. Yeah. They've only got four so far, so I'm waiting for the six. And the Kinnahans. <laughs> Did you listen to that one from yes. the sun? <gasps> Man alive. That guy that narrated that, wow. Mm. He had me hooked. I, and they and they kept putting them up once a week. It was it wasn't good enough. Yeah, I know, yeah. Enough. You're saying they like they take two weeks to put together, but you want one every half an hour, you know? Yeah, yeah. like Nicola Talent. I love Crime World. It's brilliant. Sunday World, yeah. Excellent. Oh, She's brilliant. Grim, oh, it's so good. Well, yeah, tr- Trisha, it's so good. Uh, I'll new, go back to my um, planning murders. <laughs> oh, do, and by the way, my my new podcast is out in the autumn. Yeah, so I'll be telling. Oh, yeah, I'll be telling. Um, I've I've actually hired the Aviva Stadium for a press conference. Oh, do you know something? While that. I while I forget, I should not forget the darling Brenda and her Left on Red podcast. Oh, <laughs> She'd kill me. She'd kill me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Trisha, that's funny. It's great to chat to you. Thanks a lot. All right, then. Take care. Okay. <laughs> All right. Bye. Thanks. Uh, Brenda, who was on with us actually last week, always a joy to chat to, if you can get a word in edgeways. Uh, it's called, uh, her podcast is Left on Red rather than Unread. It's, so it's Left 
O-N, new word, R-E-A-D, Brenda Dennehy and Julie Hines. <laughs> Monday morning, uh, I hope your day has got off to a good start. Uh, this is a phone-free day for me. We'll see how far into it we get. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 just as uh, we went into the break, I mentioned there a local anti-racism group has called for the far right to stop, quote, introducing hatred and division as Cork City Library was once again forced to close during demonstrations in the city centre on Saturday. And Lord Mayor of Cork, Councillor Kieran McCarthy, plans to meet with Senior Gardaí this week amid growing concern about the continued harassment of library staff based in the city centre by groups who are opposed to the presence of LGBTQ plus books on the shelves and the Lord Mayor uh, of Cork joins me right now. Uh, good morning to you, Councillor Kieran McCarthy. Uh, yeah, hi Gareth, how are you doing? This is, it's shocking, isn't it, on so many levels? Oh yeah, it's, it, yeah, I agree with you, it's shocking and it's very kind of unsettling but I suppose we must give a kind of a context to this as well that I suppose way back a few months ago a group of four to five individuals walked into Cork City Library on the Grand Parade and asked for a particular book to be removed they were given complaint forms um, and they were, I suppose they were told like that the banning of books is, is done by central government more so than local government. Um, and then they came back perhaps two or three times over the last couple of months, again, with kind of filming the staff, intimidating them, harassing them. And then last Friday afternoon, there was two individuals slash three walked into Balafihan Library um, and they actually intimidated the staff there, and the staff locked themselves in their office. And then the guardie were called, and the and the protesters moved on. And then actually yesterday, nine to ten individuals around twelve noon erected a, a banner uh, over the front entrance to the library on the grand parade. And then staff came out and went to take the banner down. It's illegal to put a banner on a public building, and they refused to take the banner down. Again, the guardie were actually called, and then the guardie and Corky libraries took the. Uh, decision to close the library for on the grounds of just uh, of of public safety that you can't have people kind of walking under like the banner itself is was 10 meters by maybe like two meters across and there was also they tried to secure it onto the building but completely illegal i mean it's, it's very much what i call quasi occupation of a public building um, that's how i look at it and that's that's the chronology i think it's important to give that that i think there's a narrative out there the library closed uh, and then actually the banner was put up no the banner was put up first and then the library had to close so but again you're dealing with a very small minority of protesters who yes they're I call them bullies slash bigots and that's what they actually are they're involved in emotional bullying of people and then yesterday afternoon noon I think the two, two slash three went into bookshops on Partick Street intimidating staff there going why are you selling um, a particular book and these particular books um, but certainly a line was crossed on Saturday afternoon like the the, the quasi-occupation of a public building by putting a banner on it, um, that would be, that is illegal. That is illegal. Mm. The banner, by the way, read, quote, there are only two genders, male and female. Uh, th- these these individuals appear to come from some sort of Neanderthal background where they, they clearly they're stuck in time. They come from the, the, the age of the dinosaurs. Oh, yeah, definitely. Look, look. These are people that are involved. They're they're going to places and they're they're trying to find a, they're they're creating nearly their own legal system and, and trying to find their own fine line. But they're emotionally bullying people and they're really upsetting people. And I suppose one of the first things that I did and I know other councillors um, did over the weekend was to contact city libraries and see if our staff was were okay. 
because like you have a banner put outside you've got a you've got a very low protest group of nine to ten individuals intimidating staff and also the general public and i know there was a counter protest as well um, on the grand parade and i suppose the the terrible thing about social media is that there were videos taken by the protest group. So we have all their videos as well of how they, how they intimidated um, the Gardaí and the general public and the counter-protest. And no, it was just uh, really, really unsettling for everyone involved. But just, yeah, just, just bigots, mm. just and bullies, the real just bullies. You, you mean you can, car- you can call them what you want, far right, but they're just bullies and yeah. and, I, and I I have and I have a huge problem personally with bullies being bullied throughout my years in school yeah. but I've got a huge problem with a, a public library being closed down where a, our public libraries and our branch libraries are probably the safest spaces you could actually sit to uh, to just reflect and, and and to reflect on life or do a bit of study I mean look I'm a regular user of the local study section and reference uh, be, be, like uh, in uh, throughout, throughout many many weeks in the year, and I find it one of the most safest spaces just to sit and reflect, and then it's a quiet space, and then all of a sudden uh, you've got someone basically not drilling holes into the side of a building like putting up a banner, but certainly actually putting up a banner uh, and, and intimidating people. So we we can't have that. We can't have that. So there are meetings, as you said, at the start of the interview this morning and probably going on for the week. I know I'm meeting Gardy in the middle of this week. I've got a general meeting with them that I'll raise, I'll raise the issue with. And I know that uh, my chief executive in Cork City Council, Anne Doherty, has been moving strongly on this as well. And we've had many a debate in the council chamber the last few weeks, and I know colleagues are very angry as well about this as I am um, this morning. So, yeah, we just need all need to sit down and see what we can do about that. But ultimately, they've crossed the line. Um, and as I say, it's a very small minority of really angry bigots. That's yeah. how I describe it. And I think you, you've just hit the nail on the head. They have crossed the line, Lord Mayor. It, it, like there's a, there's a big difference between. Um, a peaceful demonstration and subversive activity, which basically you'll find that this is subversive activity. Oh yeah, look, I mean, you, you put a you put a banner on a building; it's illegal. Um, yeah. it, it's well, that, that on Saturday that wasn't a peaceful protest, uh, and I know there's a narrative out there, spinning a narrative, as I said, that oh, that the the library closed and then the banner was put up. Even if the library did close, you're not allowed to put a banner up on a public building. Um, but the library closed because the banner was put up. And I think that's important to get that narrative right, because I'm seeing in the media this morning and across social media oh, that the library was already closed. No, this, the, the, the library was intimidated to close. Uh, and certainly you, you can't have general public walking underneath um, a banner. And like, I suppose... For me, I don't. I don't want to get into this morning what was on the banner because it opens up many, many other debates, and I don't want to add fuel mm. to this small minority of individuals. That's what you're dealing with. And even I mean, when I did put up my tweets yesterday, saying that condemning it again it was like 50, 60 comments. You're not dealing with a large group here, but you are dealing with a large group of of, of just of bigots yeah. uh, and bullies. That's what we're dealing with. And it's extraordinary to think that many of these demonstrators have children at home themselves. Yeah. Yeah, um, uh, no, and it's just, and, and and there was look, there was children in the library on Saturday in the children's section, just reading 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 children's books. I mean, there's always story time in, in the libraries, on, 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 on so it's not just like lending books in our public libraries. Sometimes there's there's a lecture series. There could be a local history lecture series. There could be a poetry book uh, reading. Uh, and all of a sudden, a group of nine or ten individuals decide to to take over the library as such. I know they weren't physically in the in the library, but they took over the entrance to the library. 
and enforce the closure of the library. I know that, and my, my thanks to the Gardaí for moving the protesters on as well. Um, but yeah, that's where we're at this morning. Is there needs to be a, there'll be a number of discussions over the next forty-eight hours of where do, where where do we go from from here? Where how how are the staff in the library? Are, are they okay after that? Uh, I was in contact with Anne yes, and Doherty, the chief executive, yesterday, and they said they're just unsettled. It was disturbing, um, and my 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 hope in the next twenty four hours is hopefully to get to the library in the city library and just have a chat to see if everyone's okay. So yeah, I mean, the first and foremost, it's the staff to make sure they're okay, and then public safety after that. Um, that I think that that was the call. What I call the going down through that staff safety and then public safety on Saturday. That's what we can on John to make the call to close the library. Okay, well, we look forward to hearing about the results of your meeting with the Gardaí during the week. Lord Mayor, thank you for talking to us this yeah, morning. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you, you. That's Lord Mayor of Cork, Councillor Kieran McCarthy. Okay, just one point to be made here. I've just heard it so often, it just makes me sick. People are blaming the Gardaí. They're putting it all down on the Gardaí and they're saying, we need more Gardaí. Where were the Gardaí? Why weren't the Gardaí there? Why there? Why weren't there more Gardaí on the streets? Why aren't there more Gardaí chasing the guys who are selling the drugs on the streets? Do you know something... Uh, I applied when I left school to be a, a member of the Gardaí. You know, I, I, I was turned down because, unfortunately, I had asthma. But I have the height of respect for the majority of Gardaí. They do good jobs. They do great work. When you consider the facilities that they have to work off, uh, the, the budgets they work under, the, the restrictions they have to adhere to, um, we, we've seen this particularly with the Gardaí who appeared in court there recently after chasing three individuals in Dublin down the wrong side of a motorway. These three individuals uh, died when the BMW car they were driving hit an articulated truck, burst into flames. They had to be identified by their dental records, but yet this Garda has been charged in relation to that particular incident. He is now living a life of hell. He was out doing his job that night. So I, I always urge people, just bear in mind what these individuals, the Garda, men and women, who we know, who we live beside, who, you know, we socialise with, who we rely on. These individuals are up against the odds 99% of the time. And it's not anything to do with the, the gather reaction in a situation like this or the very serious situations they deal with. It's down to the way they're treated by the people who employ them. The Department of Justice, the Minister for Justice, the Taoiseach, the whole ethos behind our gather system, which is, is just not suitable for what we're facing at the moment. It's ten years out of date, the Garda structure, and it completely needs to be overhauled. And in, Just in defence of the Garda, I thought I would mention that this morning. Just talking before the news there to uh, Councillor Kieran McCarthy, Lord Mayor of Cork, about that protest uh, on Saturday which forced the closure of Cork's main library. It's believed to have contained a number of far-right activists who came into the city specifically for the event. Uh, John says, Gareth, I was inside there on Saturday. There was no incursion into the library. There was no blocking of the entrance. There was a banner put on the building by the protesters. I think it was a very heavy-handed response by the Gardaí. Uh, the library itself decided to close. A protester used the F-word and a Garda came across and took his name and said he was going to be charged. I went to a Garda and asked, was he upholding his constitutional oath? He said, quote, I don't have to talk to you at all, buddy. And I resented that he called me buddy because I'm not his buddy. With all the violent crime going on, is this the best they can do? That's from John. Thank you for that, John. Margaret, you were there on Saturday, weren't you? Um, hi, Gareth. Yeah, I actually was standing at the edge of the path watching what was going on. And what was what, go I, what was going on as a bystander? Um, from what I could see, there was a notice on the library door saying it was closed. 
Um, Andy and some of the people that were with him, they put up a banner. Um, the guards stood back, they left and put it up. There was no problems. Um, then there was another group standing up by the river and they were obviously protesting against what Andy is protesting for. Um, there was no abuse. There was nothing. Um, none of the... Now, uh, first of all, I will say I am absolutely shocked and appalled by the lies our Lord Mayor of Cork has told. I am absolutely disgusted. He has told nothing but lies and what he has said there because as a bystander, I've seen what was going on. Well, when, um, you, say, when you say lies, what do you mean by lies? He said there was intimidation. There was no intimidation by anybody. Well, putting a banner over the door of the library, that is intimidation. He didn't, they didn't intimidate anybody. No, they, they didn't. In, maybe they didn't, but an, a banner of the nature of its content is intimidation. Well, but it, what was written on the banner is the truth. Uh, what, can we, do we have to hide the truth? Are you're, we living in a communist state now like that? If, you know, our free speech is taken from us? The banner reads, there are only two genders, male and, and female. And that's all there are, two genders. Yeah, but... In but, animals, there's only two genders. It, we don't see the dogs dressing up in them. No, it, and it's not, it has absolutely nothing got to do with gays or transgender or anything like that. It absolutely well, has it, Well, it has. That's at the heart of this. This is no. intimidation against individuals from the it's LGBTQ not. community. No, 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 it's not. It is actually opposing against... Now, he said there was only one book in the library. It's not one book. It's a number of books that is in a section for under 12-year-old children that is teaching children how to masturbate and have sex with adults. There are also... Now, I've looked at these books just to see the contents myself. In the book... Hold on, hang, hang on a second. Hold, on, hold on, sorry. I want to bring you back there, Margaret. Uh, you mentioned... Okay, you mentioned masturbation, but nothing wrong with that. But uh, on the it other... Is, if it's a second three-year-old child or an under-12... Well, I think an under... I think a three-year-old child wouldn't be able to pronounce the word for a start. But you Wait, mentioned no, but there about... there's children out there that are reading in school up to 12 years of age can read. There's children under the age of 16 that are, can obtain this book. They can read this book. And they can actually, there's pictures as far as I can remember in the book. Now, I wouldn't even give the books to an 18-year-old, not a mind to a child. Well, I don't think you'll have much it's say over what an 18-year-old is it's reading. pornographic books that are teaching children pornographic acts. It, it is outrageous. You should actually go in and have a look. Look into it. Go and get the books and look at them yourself. There's about four or five books to, to my memory. Um, what is going on? Um... Well, what, Jesus, what? I, I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't want my children to going into schools or into libraries picking up these books and reading them. How old are I your children? I don't care what age. Well, my youngest will be 16, but I still, I still, with the content that's in them, it, it's, it's actually appalling. And they're geared at young children. They're putting out, they have websites on the, um, in the books, telling the kids where they can go onto these websites for second pedophiles for actual paedophiles to pick up these children. Oh, that's appalling. What, what has happened to our country? I mean, even the mention of anything like this at one time, 
there be an uproar with the people. I don't think even half the people out there realise what's in these books. I'm going to have I to get hold of books. that. I'm going to have to get hold of that oh, book, there's Margaret. There's a few books. There's no, a few well, books no, now. Com- no, just on that book you mentioned in relation to putting children in contact with paedophiles, universally, well, with the exception of a number of countries, that's grossly illegal and comes with a very, exactly. very long jail sentence. And that's, wait, no, and that well, is I don't that, believe, I don't wait, no, believe one that... Second, no, can I explain I, something Yes, to you? you're explaining no, it, but I want to defend the library and I also want to defend the, 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 the council's outlook on but this. But they're not protecting children. They're not protecting children. They have these books on the shelves, they refuse to take them down, and they are not protecting children. And that is against the law. We all have a right, and it is all our up our duty to protect children. The children are not being protected with these books on the shelves. I am actually fuming, but when I see what's going on, and when I heard about these books, I'm absolutely fuming. I've after rearing a family. My eldest is 26, and I have a grandchild. And to hear what's actually been put on the shelves, I'm totally appalled about it. I'm absolutely appalled. And then when I heard what the Lord Mayor said, there was absolutely no intimidation. There was no bullying. And I'm sure if anybody that was there um, on Saturday would say exactly the same as me. Now, I would also say, no, when I hear the carry-on that's going on, I would also advise you to go into Andy Heesman's videos. He has done live videos, and you will see he never went into any of the libraries. Um, it's intimidating anybody. He went in. He gave them, um, God, it would be the act, you know, for uh, protection of children and telling the people on the staff that what they are doing is illegal and that it's a criminal act to have those books in a children's area in the library. They didn't ask them to take down the books. They asked them would they put the books in an adult section of the library, which is acceptable. But they did not um, tell them to take them away. They said put them in the adult area, which is I find acceptable. But not into an area where there's young children going in that can read and look at the, these books. Um, in some libraries, they were giving these books out to young children. Other, I suppose other, other libraries had heard that um, what was going on throughout the libraries. When, when you and say they, they were giving these books out, you, you mean that they were making a book available for, for, for a member to borrow? Is that what you mean? Exactly. They're on the sh- they're at, or you could buy the book. They're actually on tables in the library that children and young children can go over and pick up the books. Now, children that from the age that they can read, that they will read the books. I mean, look, it's, it's, they're very explicit books. And I would advise you to go and have a look at these books. Because if you have children yourself, I think you will be appalled. It is actually, uh, I wouldn't even repeat on air what some of the contents in the books were. Because if there was children listening, it is it's actually violent, disgusting act. Well, can I just say, in defence of the Lord Mayor, I, 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 I despise the comment you've just made in relation to your accusations against me. No, 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 hold on. Wait a minute. Margaret, you're not allowed to say that, okay? It's not permissible. You cannot say that. He did not tell any lies, and I'm going to have to finish the call if you continue to, 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 to talk about this. The Lord Mayor of Cork came on, made a number of statements here, and every single one of them was valid. And, and I can support each single statement that he made this morning. He was on with us before the news at 10 o'clock. Now, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to get hold of the names of these books. We're going to have a look at them because you've also made an allegation that one of these books advertises services 
as as you almost put it, of of of, of child abusers, of of paedophiles. So th- that's not you know, an acceptable can, comment I to make as well, unless I you can. Said they have a website put up on the book. Yeah, it's in the, the book same thing where paedophiles could pick up children. It's telling children that they go into this website mm. online. And is that not an invitation for paedophiles oh, yeah. to pick up children? Yeah. Are you telling me it's not an invitation? Well, I doubt very much. I doubt uh, well, very much if that's well, the case. But I we hope will... you're not a father. I really hope you're not a father. Because... I'm a very proud father, Margaret. I have well, three I daughters would... well, who well, all have children of their own. And okay. I'm a stepdad and a very proud stepdad. Yeah. Well, so... I, I appreciate the fact that if you look at any of these contents, yeah. you will not want any of your grandchildren well, I to think actually have to look at in these. In fairness, books. I think in fairness, your comments this morning are completely biased and unfounded. But it's not biased. I'm protecting children. You're not protecting not children. Like, You're making allegations like my, against there's people. There's no allegations. There's no allegations. I was there on Saturday. I seen from the footpath what was going on because I stopped to see what was going on. And I seen it was your man, Andy Heesman. And I, of course, I obviously, because of all the publicity about of course, I was being nosy and wanted to see what was going on. Nosy? Course, you, you, yes. you say you're nosy, but yet you've come on here and you've publicised a number of websites, you've publicised the individual exactly. who was there. Exactly. Uh, well, yeah, okay. Exactly. Th- thank you because for... Because ju- I don't agree with what, what is um, Fine. happening. But that's okay, but to I make... listen to the Lord Mayor saying... Uh, no, 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 excuse me, excuse me, don't go back on those comments again, okay, Why, please. Are you protecting these people as well? I'm not protecting anybody, I'm simply well, a radio presenter you who's... and the customers are the listeners should listen or read these books. They should have a look at what's going on in the country. It is disgraceful and appalling. And the guards are, are, are standing back. They didn't intervene. Okay. They only told them once, take the banner down. And after that, that was it. Yeah. Thank you, Margaret. And I, that woman, I think that... Actually- thank you, Margaret. Okay, thank you for that. 0833 96 96 96. And uh, for those of you... For those of you interested in this uh, situation, and I suppose every parent in the country is, uh, is, it takes a personal interest in the safety of their children, and deservedly so. But in relation to the Lord Mayor, um, he came on this morning, very kindly came on, and gave us some time from his busy schedule. And uh, I completely agree with Kieran McCarthy's comments this morning, and I look forward to hearing the outcome of his meeting with the Gardaí here in Cork later this week. Huge number of comments coming in, as you can imagine, on that. Uh, Ian says, what I'm hearing on the radio there is totally different to what I saw. I saw no right-wing activists. I saw concerned parents worried about pornographic material being presented to kids. The way yourselves and the media in general are making out that they are some kind of far-right groups orchestrating this is a wrong narrative and quite unfair and untrue. I'm also a concerned parent. I'm also a concerned parent, Ian, um, and I think, you know, when you start generalising the media, making us out to be some sort of, uh, 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 some, that, that we have some sort of, you know, prearranged narrative when it comes to these type of things. We're observers. That's what we are. We're journalists. We're radio presenters. We have experience of years and years of news behind us. And it's a combination of observing what went on on Saturday and reminding ourselves of stuff that we've either written about or that we've read in in recent weeks in relation to this. 
There is an agenda here, Ian. There's no doubt about that. Whether it's right wing or left wing or whatever, whoever the activists might be, there is an agenda here. And when you put up a banner over a public library with that sort of statement on it, that that is it's it's an incitement to hatred. It's 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 bullying. It's it it's old world stuff. It's the sort of stuff we had here in Ireland back in the 50s and 60s when we had the Magdalene laundries and we had sexual abuse that the church hid, moved the individuals who were abusers around the country so they couldn't be caught. You know, I thought, I genuinely thought we had moved on from these days, but clearly we haven't. And Another thing, and Margaret made a comment there about three-year-olds and 16-year-olds. You know, a 16-year-old can go into a library with a a membership card and borrow pretty much anything, you know. Um, So if, if these books are available, well, they're available because people are entitled to read them. So if you're a parent, you have to police the material that your young child is actually reading. And I don't think a, a, a parent who's aware of, well, I suppose, the different type of world we live in today is, going to, is, is prepared to let a young child into a library with a library card. And I, I don't know any libraries in the, the country, in fact, that would allow a three or four or five-year-old child to read this sort of material. Colm is on the line. Morning to you, Colm. And a, a good point in that I honestly thought I was back in the 1960s. So did I. Because it did this bigotry and this hide everything, put it under the carpet, and therefore it doesn't exist. And you're all horrible people for letting people get information. These people are afraid of the truth. And it's very sad to think that Ireland is going back to that kind of a country. Colm, do you know one thing? I'm, I didn't get a chance to say it to Margaret, but you don't need to go to a public library to get these books. You don't even need to buy them on book websites online. This information is available on the internet. But you see, the point is that they don't want the information available. That's the whole point. They don't want people to know the truth, the same as they don't want to know about the raping, the church raping children or selling babies out of the country with the help of the government. They don't want to know because they read a book, the only book they believe, some of them believe in, is the Bible. And there's some things in the Bible that no child should read. Yes, And therefore the Bible should not, if they wanted to apply those rules, then they should not have Bibles inside in the library. Yeah. Right? And if they, if they turn around and say, yes, we want the Bibles banned as well, well then I'd say at least they're consistent. Mm. All right? Well, and, you know, those books they refer to there that um, they tell me are in the library and one particular book, which I'm going to make it my serious business to go and try and check down because if the allegations that Margaret was making there about the contents of this book are true, well, then that's a very, very serious situation. But I think, as you say, there are certain books in the Old Testament that would put this sort of material to shame. It does, it does. And if those people are against those books, the next time one of them come on, ask them, do they want the Bible banned? And if they say they don't, then say, you're a hypocrite. And that's basically what they are, shallow hypocrites. And dangerous hypocrites because they lead innocent people astray. Genuine innocent people will believe the lies they're telling. 
do you remember back in the 1950s and 60s when the parish priest would hold a public uh, book burning ceremony he would encourage people who had bought copies of various books to bring them into the into the village square and have them burnt publicly well now i, I i'm i'm fairly old but that that i heard the story because i was born around that time but then there was lots of things they did humiliating women who got pregnant inside in the church they couldn't sit up in the front of the church they had to sit in the back and uh, various little nice little things that they did and reminding illegitimate children when they were going to confession you must remember that you're a bastard and going straight to hell unless you you God may forgive you one day. You know, they were very, priests were very nice and wonderful people. And, and the whole, the whole idea of limbo and purgatory. Uh, oh, that was wonderful. But then you could buy your way out of limbo. Did you know that? <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, there was priest. There, there was priest. Uh, yeah, there was uh, some priest. I can't remember where he was, but he was saying that donations to the church would help you get get you out of limbo. Yeah. Limbo was limbo was a place that um, uh, babies that were born outside marriage that were not baptized went to limbo, isn't that right? If they died, yeah, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. But the bastards, all the bastards we yeah. had in this country. But they, that they, they were uh, the ones that could be sold and sent abroad. They were okay. Mm. Money. There was money to lot about money, not about religion or God or anything else. Anyway, I tell you, I let you go because I get carried away sometimes. <laughs> okay, great to talk Bye. to you. Thanks, Colin. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Thank you. Um, the light in the window. Uh, if you get a chance to read the book um, about Besbra, I think enough said there. Anyway, if you would like to get in touch with us, 083 396 This has given rise to a, a huge response um, on the phone. Mick in Ballyfahan says, shame on the government for stocking those books in the library because it's leading to the destruction of the family and there are a lot of people hostile to the family unit. These scum are growing in popularity and a bloody disgrace that the Cork City Council are allowing them win by closing them. Bullies are winning when libraries close. Hi, Gareth. There is a safer and more respectful way of protesting as that book should not be allowed. There is only male and female if you are found in 150 years' time. You will still only be defined as male or female. They can think as they wish, but they cannot make me think as they do. That's from Shona. Um, well, I don't know. Look at artificial intelligence. I mean, will that be a male or a female? Will they even exist? Will they have a personality? Will they have a passport, these individuals that they're creating? Could you ask this woman, what would she do if her son said he was gay? That's from Mary. I was thinking of asking her, but um, I, I can't speak on her behalf. But um, I think if I thought the way I think she thinks, I would probably say to you, oh, my son will never be gay. Now, that's just my feeling on it. If you're appalled by the books, don't let your kids read them. It's the responsibility of the parents, not the library staff. And that comes in from Robert. Uh, lots more comments, and I'll get to some of those very, very shortly. Uh, today, 083 396 96 96. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, is anyone available to meet at the fire station Tuesday afternoon, 2 p.m.? Gillian Mack has actually asked that question, and I've got Amanda on the phone right now. Hi, Amanda. Hi, how are you? Fine. Now, um, sorry for bringing you in on the back of a bonfire issue. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. 
And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. There, that's for sure. Oh, no, don't, don't, don't start me on that one now. I'll, I'll leave that alone. <laughs> okay, right. Well, this, is yeah. fire, this is fire of a different, different nature. It is. Um, yeah, not it, fire and brimstone. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> fire and brimstone, I love it. Do you remember those sodality uh, retreats? Oh, don't the, even go there now. <laughs> yeah, the priest with his full brown robe and his big rope around his waist and he'd have a big crucifix stuck in it and he'd mm. take it out and shake it at the congregation. <laughs> You're all going to oh. burn in hell. Hell, unless you give me lots of money in the collection box. Anyway, I know, I know. Calm yes. down, calm down, calm down. I don't have yes. my phone to control me anymore, you know. Sorry, let's yes. get back to something that is very serious. This is a very serious issue. Uh, the firefighters, the firefighters are going back on the picket line. They have turned down the latest offer from the city council, which is, is to yeah. be perfectly honest with you, uh, not fit for purpose. So you're it's looking not. for supporters for tomorrow, aren't you? Uh, yeah, well, and not just for t- tomorrow, but every second day, um, our, our Carrigaline, um fire station personnel will be on the picket line outside that station asking, well, I'm asking on their behalf for support. Um, there's a reason why they are picketing. And as you say, what they've been offered, I, I wouldn't really know the ins and outs, but I have read it. I don't think it's fit for purpose. They're, they're putting their lives on the line every time they get a shout. They're brave. They are courageous. All the personnel, they're, they're, they're the people that we call if we have an emergency. And while we're getting away from the problem, they're going in to deal with it. And I think the way that they're being treated is appalling. Mm-hmm. And as a community, I think we should stand behind them. And it's not just Carrigaline. I think there's about 50 other fire stations around the country, you know, and I'm, I don't know. I, I just felt it was wrong. So I just put it on Facebook just to say, look, if I was to turn up on Tuesday or any other day, would, would, would our community stand behind our fire station and um, just give them some support? I, I I heard on the train um, coming back from Dublin yesterday there had been a very serious car incident, yes. car accident. Um, I think it was out on the road to Clannacilty. I'm not exactly. Um, I well, don't, well, there was one here. In, there was, no, there was one here in Belgooley. That's in the actual one. Fact. That's it. Was the Belgooley? Yes. Three cars involved, weren't there? Yes. Yes. Uh, I honestly wouldn't know, but to be quite honest with you, um, our fire station down here were on strike yesterday. Mm-hmm. But no. They came off the picket line and they went. That's they something they've, that re- they've reassured everybody that that's what they will do. That what yes, they, they've got to express their needs. That what that that, that what they yes. want. They're not getting. They will pick it, but they will immediately drop the picket and and get the, 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 the machinery out. But well, in Carrigaline, there is a siren. My apologies. There's a siren that goes off in Carrigaline, so you know when there's a shout. You know when there is somebody that 
has an issue that there's an emergency and they're being called in to go to this emergency. And I do, I do reflect every time I hear it because you don't know what they're going to. You don't know who they're going to. It, it could even be one of their own members of family. It could be one of my members of family. And they, they do 24 seven, 52 weeks a year. You know, and I think as as a community, we should stand behind them. But as a country and as a government, we should be doing more for them. It, it's appalling. I don't know why all our frontline personnel, guards, the nurses. I mean, you could you could go on for, for the whole of your program mm. for the injustice that they're, they're actually um, living. Living nowadays, it's, it's, it's expensive. So please give everybody that does a job a living wage. But somebody that does a job like this. It's it's more important. They can't like they need to get more personnel into Carrigaline, but they cannot get them because who wants to go into a job where they're not going to get paid an awful lot, whereas they can go down the road and get a job that pays very well and they don't have to see the trauma. They don't have to go to emergencies. They don't have to put their lives on the line, which sounds very dramatic, but it is true. Oh, it is true, yeah. It is true. Carrigaline it is very, is, it, very true. It's the fastest growing suburban area in Cork City and County. 30,000 yes. according to the latest... Uh, t- we have Ring of Skiddy down the road with all, with all the chemical factories. Yes. I mean, that's... This yeah. serious incidents can happen around this area. We're going to have a motorway soon, you know, and it's not just Carrigaline, it's the, it's the other areas. They'll do Crosshaven, Manan Bridge. I mean, it's very rural. You know, it's gorse fires, flooding, everything that they get called out to do, they will go. They're on a picket line yesterday and they went and they did their job. They have, I, I think they have either three or four fire tenders in Carrigaline. They should effectively with a population yeah. and, an, and an infrastructure, as you say, that mm-hmm. has many, many big, big factories. Like the, yes. the, they should have tub, double the amount of that machinery. They should. They yeah. should. They should. And they should be paid a proper wage for a proper job that they're doing. They're on retainer. And that's, uh, look, I can be corrected. I'm not really au fait. I think they're on a retainer for less than 10,000 a year. Yeah, it's one, one euro 33 per hour. That's the retainer fee. Well, that's, that's less shocking. than minimum wage. It's shocking. Well, that's, it's one tenth it of, it's, I think it's one eighth of the minimum wage. It's just yeah. disgusting yeah. in this day and it's age. It's disgusting. Yeah. It is disgusting. I mean, well, if, 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 as, uh, as this lady before was going on about children, if we were to put our child out to a job, mm. that would be child labour. Belgooley would come under the Carrigaline Fire and Rescue, wouldn't it? Yeah, I would imagine so. I know there's one in Kinsale and I know I think the city would come that far as well. So yeah. maybe it was themselves in the city that dealt with it. I wouldn't be very privy to all of that information. But look, it's only down the road. Sure. Yeah. You've got Five Mile, five mile Bridge. You have Manan Bridge. You've got Roberts Cove. We'd be the closest to all of these places and Ringeskiddy. Mm-hmm. You know, you have, I mean, there's a terrible incident like, like on the Shannon Park, near the Shannon Park roundabout. Like there's horrible things that they have to go and deal with. Mm. And then they have to deal with horrible stuff and then go home and just, you know, the trauma. Like, I just, I can't even begin to think. Let's remind ourselves of the Douglas Shopping Centre fire um, some yes. years back. Uh, the, the, the actual, the, the, the escalation ladder that they, they, they need, they don't have the right one. And a couple of the guys in, in Angle Street, Street have told me this. The ladder they need yep. to get, to the top of, for example, mm-hmm. God forbid, if there was an incident in the Elysian, Elysian Tower, yeah, they couldn't reach it. They couldn't get a third of the way up the side of that building. No, 
you know? No. And so, I mean, we can't, we, we have to support these people. We have to. They, I don't know, it's like the guards, I don't know if they can strike, but at least, at least, the, the, you know, the fire personnel, they can get out there and they, they can, they can have a placard. And I must, I must admit, I passed the other day and I was ashamed to say that I didn't realize that this was still going on. Mm. I honestly, I didn't realize as, as, as a member of the community, I didn't know. And I thought, no, you have to even just put it out there, put it on the Caragline notice board on Facebook, let social media do what it can do and see as a community, can we back our um, fire station and our rescue personnel and can the rest of the country get behind them as well? Yeah. You know? Well, well said. Um, and is that okay. is, are, are they they're they're picketing today? I think are they? Um, they picket every second day, to the okay. best of my knowledge. But maybe you could get onto Carrick Line Fire Station we'll and that. get that. Um, but I think it's it's like they do Tuesday, Thursday. It's every second day that they will picket. But as I say, they are picketing. Yes, but yeah. they are also doing their job. If there's a shout. Okay, thank you, man. Nice know. to chat to you. Okay, uh, it was a pleasure. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Bye Take bye. care. Bye-bye. Okay, drop bye. in tomorrow afternoon, 2 p.m., Carrig Line. Uh, they're on the picket line again. They got nowhere with the Labour Courts. Are you surprised? They waste, the the Labour Courts wasted three weeks of their valuable time. This is not just their work time. It's also their free time when they want to be at home with their families. So now we're all here once again. Please beep the horn if you're passing to show your support or call on down because they'd be delighted to chat with you while they're out on the picket line. Coming back to the library protest, I was chatting to Margaret who says she was a bystander on Saturday and um, then went on to discuss the content of a number of books in the library that she feels should be removed. Uh, she also said that these books are accessible by three-year-olds. I don't know a three-year-old who can read a book. Um, doesn't matter whether the content is sexual or whatever, but uh, I would probably say they're not even at the Enid Blyton stage yet. People going, who's Enid Blyton? Anyway, there's another element of the old dinosaur background for you there. Uh, Paul says, how would Margaret feel if her daughter wanted transgender? Uh, good question. Um, also, how would she feel if her son brought home a friend who felt he was gay? Well, they're interesting questions. Do you know, when I was a young guy, um, I'm talking about 12, 13 years of age, I was invited to probably the last birthday party that takes place, you know, in the home. And um, this young guy's parents were of that type. Uh, you know, you're either a, a boy or a girl, a man or a daughter. There's nothing out beyond that. You're into the realms of deep space if you move beyond either sexuality. But one of the guys that uh, was in the class, um, he, he I, now this has gone back to the early 1970s, but he was quite brave and outspoken about his feelings about his sexuality. And he just felt, he said, I think I'm gay. And there was only one gay in Ireland at that stage, and that was Gay Byrne, as we all thought. Um, a very heterosexual individual indeed, but he said, I think I'm gay, I fancy guys. He was left out of the birthday party. He was told by this guy's parents, no, you're not coming to the birthday party. And I kind of get the feeling when I listen to Margaret that we haven't really moved on. Um, 
This woman isn't with the Times at all. Another listener says there's no child in the library at three years old on his own. They're with parents, so they shouldn't be looking at these books anyway. Not that they can read. It's down to parents to watch them. Any child who's old enough to be there alone is old enough to know what's going on in these books anyway. The problem here is these staff in the library are doing their job. They shouldn't have to put up with anyone like this lady or anyone else coming into the library pestering them. If you don't like them, just don't look at them. The books, that is. She shouldn't be let say this about websites being published either. It isn't fact. I quite agree with you, caller. Thank you for that. I remember a very well-known bookshop in Dublin. It's, it's gone, long gone now. It was one of my favourite bookshops. I'm, you know, if, if I ever go missing in this world, you'll probably find me in a bookshop. That's what I tell my wife. Um, and I remember there was a section there. It was, it was only a very small section, but uh, it said gay literature. 20 years ago, so maybe even longer than that, 25 years ago. And there was a great curiosity because, you know, you'd get people kind of looking around to see if any of the staff were watching them or if there were any other customers in and they'd be nipping in to have a little look inside some of these gay books. And the content was pretty... Um, how could you put it? Well, it wouldn't leave you in any doubt as to what you were looking at. Drawings, pictures, photographs. And that was 20, 25 years ago. So it's not a new phenomenon. Marion is on the line. Hi there, Marion. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Nice to chat to you. Now, you're, it's interesting. In the animal kingdom, uh, there are quite a few species that can change their sex as they wish. Isn't that the case? That's true. And as... We're all sentient beings. It's proven that animals have feelings and sense. So it is, for me, all the same. When they are able to change their sex as they need it or they want it, why is it a problem for us humans to change our sex if we feel the need? Because as we know, a lot of babies are born with both sexes prevalent. And then the doctor decides to play God and uh, removes one sex. So the doctor decides which sex this child grows up with. And it's proven that a lot of these children, if not all, feel very uncomfortable in their skin, feel very uncomfortable, not even knowing why, Mm. and feel they're in the wrong body, which they are, because they have been chosen to be male or female and were actually deemed by God, if we speak about God, uh, to to be both sexes. I, uh, now, I'm going to bring you back there. You've lost me at the doctor stage. You say that the doctor plays God and makes the decision as to whether you're a boy or a girl. How does the doctor do that? Removing either the clitoris or the penis at the newborn baby. But I think either a baby is born with a clitoris and a vagina or a penis. Am I right there? Yeah, there are um, in certain circumstances, very rare, but it happens that um, both sexes are prevalent in a newborn. I wasn't aware of that. That's very interesting. It's, it, must, it must be very rare, is it? We, we learn every day. <laughs> Absolutely. That's one thing I love about this job. I'll be learning until the day I'm no longer doing it. That's fascinating. It, it must be an extremely rare situation, though, is it? I 
don't have the numbers now yeah but if you google it um you will find a lot of information and this is the point i wanted to make with margaret as well children have the possibility to google everything so they might not even need to go to the library to see these books because they can do that at home without the parents knowing Mm. And I wonder whether she put this child barrier on her kid's phone that they can't check these things. But then there are friends of these kids who have all this information. Yeah, that's right. I mean, how many of us learned the facts of life from our parents? I I know that um, I picked up information on an ongoing basis, which I have to admit, as a young boy, I found appalling. (laughs) It was a shock to the system. What do you mean we were made that way? Um, But, you you know, you you say there in relation to the books in the library, most information based about, literally on anything is available online. And I wonder, Margaret mentioned her 16-year-old teenager. Would her teenager have a smartphone? Because if you have a smartphone, you don't need to go to the library. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and um, the... um, um, it just came back to my mind. It's called intersex, which is the general term for a variety of situations when a person is born with reproductive or sexual anatomy that doesn't fit the boxes of female or male. Mm. So okay. it's intersex babies. You want to Google and to learn all about it. And would the parents be aware that they have... A, a, a child with what they call ambiguous genitalia. That is up to the doctor. Right. Some doctors would say, look, what shall I do? Some doctors would just do it without even telling the parents. Oh, and then there are in a life of misery and don't know why. That's fascinating. Thank you for joining us on the show this morning. You're welcome. Thank you, Marion. Great day. Yes, Take you care. too. Thank Bye-bye. you. Isn't that fascinating? Uh, just been checking up on it here. It, ambiguous genitalia. It's a rare condition in babies in which an infant's external genitals don't appear to be clearly either male or female. In a baby with ambiguous genitalia, the genitals may be incompletely developed or the baby may have characteristics of both sexes. I well, hope Margaret's not listening. Anyway, um, also Maura says, Gareth, let's face it, Monday morning... We're all a bit gay, aren't we? <laughs> well, um, interesting. Do you want to come on and have a chat with us more? We'll have a little fairly lively debate about that. Interesting concept, though. Interesting concept. There are many people who would say, yes, we are all a little bit gay. And perhaps the gayness is driven out of us at a very early stage, or perhaps the sexuality that we choose to see through life is more, as it were, dominant to the other. I don't know. I have no facts. I have no research. But... Um, that's just off the top of my head. Probably from a guy who has been detached from his mobile phone. Now, we've all been there having a nice leisurely stroll in the park and a massive dog comes bounding up to you off its lead. Uh, it sometimes happens on the beach. It happened to us there a little while back. And maybe you've got a little dog with you who you have on the lead and the little dog is pretty much uh, jumped on by the bigger dog and uh, there's a lot of consternation and upset. Now, Sarah's on the line. Sarah Dillon, morning to you, Sarah. Hi, how are you? All right, thank you. Um, Now, this happens, we found that if we've got the little dog, we have a little 
terrier rescue dog out with us. We can't let him off the lead, really, uh, because he he just he seems to sort of make a break for it. But you're saying that this this is happening an awful lot more often now, isn't it? Yeah, I've been bringing my dog to the regional park regularly now because I'm trying to train him on um, his lead reactivity. Like, he's perfectly fine when he's off lead, but the minute you put him on the lead, um, he's just reactive. He's a, a really anxious dog, like, he's afraid of his own shadow. So, the minute we go in, it's like every second person has their dog off the lead, and I don't think they realise the effect it would have on a dog. Some dogs, they could be a rescue dog, and they could be afraid of anything. They could be afraid of females, males, dogs, birds, anything. And I don't think some people realise the effort it takes to train a dog it's like it's very time consuming and expensive as well at the same time like if you're investing in a dog trainer like I am and rescue dogs are very difficult to train aren't they all like before you even get to adopt um, a rescue dog they will obviously do their checks and all that but some dogs have like big problems because of the way they've been treated as they've been growing up like so what do you do? do? Do you stand your ground or do you pick up your dog and hope that the other dog gets lost? Sorry, there's. I think I can hear someone else on the line so I can't really hear what you're saying. All right, okay, I don't know what that is. I can actually hear a little voice there as well. Um, I'm just thinking in relation to the little rescue dog that you've got, you're trying to train... And, uh, you know, you can't train a dog at home, so the best place to bring him is the local park or the beach. So uh, th- this big, huge dog bounds up and, and causes consternation. How do you react? Like, my dog isn't a rescue dog, but they would be, like, he's, like I said, afraid of his own shadow. Yeah. It's, it's a really time-consuming issue, like, because we live quite rural, so we don't have very busy environments like the most he'd be around would be tractors and cars and even at that to begin with when we first got him he was very afraid like and it took months for him to be okay and not be cowering into the wall when a car or something big like that passed us so we gradually worked our way up to bringing him to busy environments um which was recommended by our dog trainer so we were trained to even just get into the middle of the regional park in the green like nowhere near anyone just so he can see everything that's going on and be around all the noise and the first day we brought him we couldn't even get past the car because he could see dogs off the lead roaming around and um, it took I'd say two days before we were able to actually make it in past the entrance and even at that it's it's just chaos like he's you're trying to some dogs are food motivated and some are motivated by their toys and stuff but you need to be able to get complete um, engagement with your dog like when you're trying to train them and mine's food motivated, but the minute something distracts him, he just, he's oblivious, like you're not there. So to try and get into the park, he's just, it's just a bit much, like it's overwhelming for him, especially when it's a busy environment, which he's not used to. Mm. And then you have people with their dogs off the lead or they're on the retractable lead and they just let them kind of roam ahead of them. Um, I don't think some owners actually realise that they're doing what they're doing is wrong they, they don't see like they might have had a dog that was perfectly fine to raise like and wasn't reactive or anxious or fearful or aggressive so i don't think they realize to an extent the effect it actually has yeah but for me it's like even just to bring my dog my anxiety is through the roof as well trying to bring him somewhere because i sure. know how he's going to react yeah okay sarah nice to talk to you this morning thank you Thanks very much. Sarah Dillon there. Please keep your dog on on its lead.
FM. Welcome back to the third hour this Monday morning. You can call or you can ch- uh, text or you can email, as you heard there, if you want to get involved in any of the conversations this morning. Now, um, one texter says, Gareth, what is a library in essence? What is the definition of a book library? Well, we checked it out. A library is a collection of books or media that are accessible for use and not just for display purposes. That's it, right down to the raw, um, the, the as it were, down to the bone of the issue. Um, I was just reminded there in the conversation earlier on, I don't know whether any of you uh, would remember um, the Country Girls trilogy, that wonderful, wonderful author, Edna O'Brien, who's 92, living in London, uh, hale and hearty, very well. In fact, she published her most recent novel, I think it was about two Two, about two years ago, just coming out of COVID, I think. But the Country Girls trilogy um, was published in 1960, then then 62, then 64. So there were the three books. The first girl, or the first book was the Country Girls, which was absolutely shocking in the eyes of the church. Uh, the church at the time got on to the politicians, of course, who they had by the old um, short and curlies and said, right, let's get rid of this book. We'll have public uh, burnings of the book. There was a witch hunt that resulted from the best of my knowledge. Um, and I know that my mother often mentions that book. I don't know whether she read it, but uh, one thing she did say was that it was the most sought after book by teenage girls in the country and it became one of the biggest selling books of all time at that time um, but it was banned by uh, the church and I think then um, shops were told not to sell it Edna O'Brien, what an extraordinary woman but it, it strikes me now that we're back to this situation again where and that was the point I was making that public libraries would not actually stock Edna O'Brien's book back then and we've got to a stage again now where history is repeating itself and clearly a lot of these protests are because the libraries are stocking a number of books with sexual content of an order that would appeal to um, anybody, anybody who's curious about sex and sexuality sex, the most googled word in history but yet some of these individuals are saying we need to sweep sex under the carpet, we need to leave it there and we need to safeguard it against our young people. It's a dirty word. When really at the end of the day, life generally is based on sex. It's where we come from. Um, It's what we do at various stages in our life. We procreate, we raise our children, they go on to have sex and have children of their own and that, that, that ultimately is the journey of life. Donna is on the line. Good morning to you, Donna. Good morning, Garrett. I didn't think it'd blow up this 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 much, but it certainly has become um, a hot topic of conversation this morning. Going back once again, just to remind anybody who wasn't with us earlier on in relation to the protest at uh, Cork City Library, uh, a local anti-racism group has called for the far right to stop introducing hatred and division as Cork City Library was forced to close during demonstrations in the city centre on Saturday. Now, the protest which forced the closure of the library is believed to have contained a number of far-right activists who came into the city specifically for the event. We spoke to one of our listeners, Margaret, who came on. Margaret says that she was a bystander. Uh, She was watching what was going on. Um, But she basically was trying to point out that there was nothing untoward going on, that it was a peaceful 
demonstration. But um, it's no longer a peaceful demonstration when a banner with the content of which is in some of the newspapers today is literally raised and stuck above the entrance to the library. The Lord Mayor of Cork, Councillor Kieran McCarthy, was on voicing his feelings about the whole thing and his plans to meet the Gardaí in relation to future demonstrations like this. Uh, he's going to do that during the week. Now, what, what, how do you feel about Margaret's comments? Well, first of all, I was already angry at the fact that this took place on Saturday because my son was in town, he's 14 and he is gay, and he took a photograph of this to show me this is what's happening in town today. So already, like, you know, it's 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 a big worry of mine that my son has to face this in this day and age, you know, just to be who he is. Um, how did, he, how did he feel, Margaret? Or Donna, I beg your pardon. Um, I mean... He kind of, I suppose, in this day and age now, a lot of young people are very accepting of everybody. So he has a good peer group. But it's adults that are doing this, you know. This is adults who are introducing hate to their own young children. Um, and he's he's angry about it, but, like, he kind of lets it go over his head a bit. But, I mean, you know, it, it, it obviously hurts him as well, you know. Because, mm-hmm. you, you know, the rest of us can walk outside and be who we are. Nobody passes comment, you know. And it's it's just not... It's not a nice way to have to live, you know. Mm. Now, Margaret, um, Margaret brought the whole conversation around to paedophilia and the content of the book and websites yeah. that are, are, are advertised freely and, and and that this gives children idea. But presumably young children are not going to be anywhere near a section of books that deals with sexuality. Yeah, so I, as I said in my message, my, my own brother, and he's also gay, he's a 43-year-old man, he works in one of the libraries in Dublin, in Tala, in the uh, Dublin City Libraries, and I actually had a quick phone call with him before coming on air, and I asked him about the books, and is there these children's books in the children's section with sex and masturbation, as Margaret said, in, in them? He said, absolutely not. There is, there is books in the young adult section, which starts from age 12 and up, um, that have, you know, um, content such as um, sexuality now and, you know, being gay or bi or things like that, as well as just traditional um, sexuality as well. And there's nothing at all in the young adult section. Um, also, um, any, you know, any child under 18 has to have a parent's signature to take out a library card. So it's therefore up to the parents to monitor and to allow or not allow their children to take out whichever books they, they wish, you know. Mm. And and, um, and and another another caller made the comment that you're not going to find children as young as three or four in a library anyway, unless they're supervised by a school teacher or by their parents. Um, exactly. Yeah. But to, to my 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 daughter is in second class. She's only eight years old, and they already they already introduce sex education in the classrooms as well. So this is not something that's alien to children. This, as you said, this is something that's a way of life. This is how we evolve. This is how we procreate like it's not you know the issue the issue I have with Margaret's comments about bringing it all around to paedophilia and child abuse and all that is why was there a banner that says you know there are only two genders male and female this protest was about gender it wasn't anything to do with child abuse or paedophilia or books in the library of such content you know Mm. and she's trying to cover up the fact of a homophobic protest uh, by trying to bring it around and saying, "Oh, we're trying to protect our children," do you know this is, it's it's absolutely ludicrous. Like the staff in the libraries, my own brother said he feels intimidated going to work. All the staff feel intimidated. They're being videoed. They're being put on Facebook Live without being told that they're being recorded. Um, 
the books are being defaced in the libraries. There there was that incident a couple of weeks ago in the Trilly Library where they stormed the library. Yeah. They were roaring and shouting with the kids because drag people were people dressed in drag were reading the stories, you know. Um I mean and, and calling shouting, calling them all sorts of names and things like that. These are people, these are humans, you know, people should be able to to go to work in a safe environment. Not have to be. I mean, a protest is fine, but I, I was under the impression that you are allowed to protest peacefully. And I don't understand why the guards are standing back allowing this to happen when people are being harassed, intimidated in their workplace. Do you know, it's just absolutely, uh, it rages me because it's, why are they getting away with this? And that's why I'm so happy with the Lord Mayor's comments that mm. he is going to have a meeting with the guards and, you know, something has to be done about this. Absolutely, and I completely agree with all of the comments he made this morning, uh, which Margaret took offence to. Um, she says she's trying to protect our children, but she doesn't say against what. Against what, exactly, yeah. And to be honest with you, you know, like from what I've seen, I've grown up with my brother who was gay ever since I knew, and my my son is gay ever since I knew. He was very, very small when I knew. And this is something people are born with. You know, you don't, you don't choose this lifestyle. Nobody chooses to be different so that they can be abused for the rest of their lives. I mean, it doesn't discriminate against anybody, race or anything. It, it, it just is what it is. So I would hope that Margaret's children or grandchildren, for their own sakes, are never born like this because mm. they're not going to have a safe place to come out, you know? Yeah. Well, a friend of mine, distant friend of mine, uh, announced about a month ago, he's 63 years of age, and he announced for the very first time in his life that he's gay. Mm-hmm. And when we asked him why he waited so long, he said he had to wait until his parents were dead. Yeah. I mean, that's just, you know, every parent is supposed to love their children unconditionally. Yeah. You know, and... There's a life, a life of love and enjoyment and I suppose new experiences lost, lost Lost, for decades and decades. And people hide as well who they are and, and a lot of people don't even get to that age because a lot of people actually take their own lives because they can't be who they are and this, and you know, you read about this in the news every single day of the week. You know, they don't have a safe place to come out. They don't, I mean, it's bad enough you have to go out into the world and be subjected to these kind of abuse or protests, not to mind in your own home. Mm. Do you know? And it's people like that, older people that are kind of carrying on this hatred. I mean, the Pride Week in Cork now is celebrating 30 years on, where 30 years ago since gay and uh, was uh, de- decriminalised in Ireland. And yet here we are still 30 years on, still fighting. I mean, I, if I had to imagine my son now at 14 in another 30 years still having to fight just to be able to be who he is. Mm. I think, you know, it's um, just yeah, I, I, I think the, the, the Bus Aaron ad, which promotes Pride and Pride festivals all over the country, I think it's one of the most joyful television adverts I've ever seen. This is where uh, the bus is basically collecting individuals to bring them to Pride celebrations. And when you see fathers embracing daughters and sons who have obviously gone, you you know, they've decided to commit themselves to the way of life that they want to live with great joy and with great commitment. And I kind of say to myself, why can't that be a reality for everybody? For everybody, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's and, and another like some of the incidents that we've all come across. Uh, there was the case of um, on a previous talk show many years ago. I spoke to 
um, a young man who told me about looking back he said when I look back 15 years he had just come back home from Australia what drove him to Australia was that after his leaving cert it was well known in his house to his parents that he was gay but his parents forced him to bring a girl from the neighborhood to his Deb's celebration instead of bringing his boyfriend so Mm -hmm. as soon as he picked up his leaving certificate results he legged it to Australia and yeah. he said it has affected him all of his life, even though now he's happily committed to this young man and they're, they're, they're both married now and very, very happy. But I, I sometimes wonder, what is it deep down in parents who pursue that, that journey that they say, you know, I'm going to police my child's sexuality and they're going to do exactly as I did? I, I, I mean, it's not my circumstance, but I suppose... Of a, they're probably of a generation where you know at a time when that wasn't allowed and stuff like that but like you know times have changed now and people need to just kind of move with the times you know mm. but like I suppose it's hard for some people to do that I don't know um, I mean I just know that I would never you know put that on any of my children like they can yeah. be who, who they are whatever they want you know I'll always support them um, but yeah it is tough for a lot of people who have to who have to feel that way, you know. I mean, my own brother didn't come out till he was 21, even mm. though we all ex- we all accept him, no problem, that's fine, but he knew society wouldn't, you know, and... Do you feel it's okay for this material to be in the public library? I do, because, it's, as I said, like, it's, there's no, I mean, as far as I'm aware, and what I've asked my brother, who obviously works there, is that there, there's no content of, like, this woman was talking about... You know, um, no, there's not, and that—that's a complete fallacy. It's yeah, not—it's nonsense no, what no she said in relation to. Well, yeah. like she was talking about images and all this kind of stuff. That's absolutely ludicrous. And uh, my brother said to me, "If that's the case, then why don't these people take up file a police report if they believe that these books are illegal and they're in the library? Why are mm. they? What's the protesting going to do for them? You know?" And he made the same comment that that man you were talking to earlier said. Um, if that's the case, then why is the Bible allowed in the library? You know? Yeah, that's true. Thanks, Donna. Great to talk to you. Thank you very much. Thanks a million. Thank you. Okay, um, now, let's see. John says, um, I have seen the content of one of these books. Um, it describes it describes exactly how to give a blowjob. What's wrong with that? Well, I suppose it depends on how old you are and what sort of influence your peers have over your life. But certainly, if you're waiting to read about that expression... Uh, in a book in the library, well, then clearly you mustn't be going to school and clearly you mustn't be getting out and about as a, a teenager. Or even, you don't even, in many cases these days in modern society, uh, a lot of young children will be able to tell you what that means long before they actually get to be a teen. Now, somebody just said here, um, we asked a question in relation to Margaret. Uh, what we did is we got back on to Margaret. We asked Margaret off air, um, someone, Mary, said, could you ask this woman what would you do if her son said he was gay? We asked Margaret off air and she said this is not about gay or transgender and she has gay friends and a friend who is transitioning. Um, Good wide circle of friends there. She says it's the content of the books that's her issue, not the gender issue. Tony Lean uh, on the front page of the Examiner commenting on uh, the Dublin's victory over Kerry in the All-Ireland Senior Football Championship final at Crow Park yesterday. I just love his narrative. 45 minutes into the All-Ireland final under Crow Park's Hogan stand, Kerry manager Jack O'Connor 
peeled off his baseball cap and ruffled in frustration what lay beneath. The, the kingdom had built a three-point lead and had Dublin, quote, almost under control. But a man coaching his seventh senior final recognised the greatest no-no in football when he saw it. The gift of Dublin momentum to the hordes on Hill 16. One Kerry turnover later, the sides were level. If ever the author of such a huge final moment was misnamed, it's Paddy Small. This is, it's just, it's gripping stuff uh, by Tony Lean. And there's lots of stuff in all of the newspapers. But that was something that Tony reminded me of, that the people say, oh, the dubs are at home in Crow Park. They're not. It's Parnell Park. Uh, that would be their sort of training ground and their real home. That's where all of the county clubs and city clubs would come together um, when it's coming up to a big national event and the actual championship itself. Uh, played out beautifully yesterday by both teams. Incredible defence, watching the way each side controlled the ball. Uh, it was very much 50-50, although I know statistically it wasn't. But such a tight score at the end, such a low score, um, I just found my heart pounding and we didn't miss a minute of the game because it was just unmissable stuff. I think the arrival of the rain at around about four o'clock changed the overall show as such. But uh, I felt at one stage, I really did for about 10 or 15 minutes, I thought Kerry had it and they were going to drive it home. But then I reminded myself that both of these teams are experts in the last 15 minutes of really pulling the wool over their opponent's eyes. But when you put the two teams together, you kind of knew that that wasn't going to happen. Joe Brawley in the Irish Independent says that it certainly wasn't the Dublin team of old, but um, they had new a, a new mechanic about the way they battled against Kerry yesterday. And I think, in fairness, most of the critics and pundits are saying that Dublin deserved the win in the end, uh, with a very, very tight score. But Hill 16, particularly in a Dublin versus, insert name here, final, particularly when it's Dublin and Kerry, the, the, the occupants of Hill 16, it's a tradition, it's a pilgrimage for Dublin fans. They only arrive on the hill an hour before the game. Now, wherever they come from, they could be in, you know, Mars or Quinns or the Red Parrot or any of the huge pubs that, that surround Crow Park. But they arrive in their hordes. They have their barons. They have their smoke shields. They have everything with them. They're kitted with face dye and jerseys from head to toe. And they become the the management of the Dublin team for the entire game. They determine the mood of the team and you can even see it when Dublin come in and they score a point at the Hill 16 end it's almost like uh, what would you say it's almost like you have arrived before you, you know the, the the statue of God and you're bowing to it as you put the ball over over the, the bar but Tony Lean great report in the Irish Examiner this morning now, a regular contributor on the show, Dr. Nick Flynn from Mike Cork GP, is turning his hand to yet another project, and he's just bought a pub. Nick, good morning. Good morning, Gareth. How are you? Thanks I'm for having me on. Fine. I'm kind of on a bit of a high after the All-Ireland, and also on the, uh, the conversations we've had in relation to the protest at Cork Library earlier on. And, and I, I was trying to rack my brains when I knew you were coming on, Nick. I don't know another doctor, and I know quite a few, but um, d- doctors tend to sort of say, uh, now be careful how much how many pints you put away in the pub but hearing that a doctor has actually gone and bought a pub that's a whole new uh, vista isn't it? It is I suppose we see society changing though Gareth and uh, certainly at the or I think we'll have a focus on the pub but on the restaurant as well so 
the pub restaurant and uh, you know I suppose from the point of view of the service to the village and, and the locality we'd hope that we'd have like a good coffee a good zero offering and of course uh, a good alcohol offering for those who want to imbibe but imbibe uh, responsibly so look uh, I, I, I hear what you're saying but uh, we're really looking forward to us in Crosshaven is a fabulous village mm. I don't know do you know it but it's, it's a, like a uh, fishing kind of tourist village you know probably about 20 minutes from the city uh, well connected by buses well connected uh, by the road network um, and, and it's a really buzzing busy village at the weekends uh, and there's a lot of kind of local building going on as well so the, po- the local population is, is improving so we're very excited and while it is a pub it is also a pub restaurant yeah. and we're very focused on, on, on the food offering Just where exactly is it located Nick because I, I know Crosshaven and it is it's one of those it, it's, I think if you live in Crosshaven people think you know wow you've that, that's a beautiful place to live where exactly is it? So it's a few Coveney Piers so as you come into the village and you pass out the RCYC or the Yacht Club, the, the road gets narrow and then it divides into two and the road into Crosshaven brings you down left next to the pier and the road out of Crosshaven is a bit higher and that road coming out of Crosshaven passes right in front of the oar. So it's ju- just in front of the Hugh, Hugh Coveney Pier and like views out across towards Corvinian as far as Cove Cathedral. You know, you have them from upstairs and downstairs and Really, I mean, the upstairs for the restaurant is it's, it's a beautiful room, like beautiful atmosphere, nice, small, bespoke bar at the end. And we're really looking forward to, you know, getting that going mm. and taking full advantage of that and, you know, serving good food and good atmosphere with good views and, yeah. you know, b- building on the, the reputation the village already has for hospitality, which is quite strong. We were in it. <laughs> I, knew, Ooh, I, knew, I, I knew I knew it was the I knew it was the one Nick because yeah. uh, it was during one of the uh, I think it was re- during the time of COVID there was a, a relatively long stretch where all the restrictions were lifted and a good friend of mine well known to many people in the city and county who owns his own boat took us across from Monkstown and uh, we we actually tied up there at the dock and spent a, a couple of lovely hours in in the pub itself. If that's the one I'm thinking of, it's yeah. Well, yeah. Ho- hopefully it is. I mean, it, it yeah. is an absolutely lovely premises. And I suppose from my point of view, uh, Gareth, like I mean, my my parents, my family were butchers and grocers in County Waterford. We lived over the shop. I'd have retail and kind of customer service in my DNA and. I suppose it, while while healthcare, I mean clearly, I am sticking to the knitting. I'm not leaving healthcare at all. I'm very committed to the medical businesses that I'm involved in. But there's a strong emphasis on customer service and healthcare as well. And from the point of view of running a business, there's, there's lots of overlapping similarities about how you organise the business. Now you make sure you've got the the, the offering right for for the population you're, you're looking after and cash flow and all those kind of tough, tricky things. And like I'm sure we're going to have lots of challenges and sure we're going to have like, lots of lessons to learn but uh, really excited about I mean as you quite rightly say there I mean, it, is a, it is a lovely lovely premises in a lovely lovely village Will you be behind the bar at all? Hands on? Uh, I'll be present but I, I probably won't be behind the bar too much but if I need it I, 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 like, in any of the businesses that I'm involved in I'll I, I do any of the jobs that need to be done 
but I don't plan on being that hands-on. I don't plan on being that hands-on, to be fair. Uh, I'll hopefully, we'll build a good team of hospitality professionals and I will try not to get in their way while they kind of deliver the product that we have a vision to, to create. So I'll do my best not to get in the way, Gareth, really, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. yeah I, I always, <clears throat> there's something enchanting, I think, about owning your own pub, but it's, it's when you look at the, the, what, you know, the I suppose the demands on what goes on behind the bar rather than sitting looking at what's going on. I mean, you really need to know your stuff and be fast. No, about absolutely, it. yeah. And, I, and, I, and I'm well aware of that. Yeah. And, like, we, we, as I say, we, I have a vision for what, what, what we want to create and the product we want to create. But it'll be about building a team with, a, with a chef that, that shares that and with a bar manager and restaurant manager that, share, that, that shares that vision. And then for me, just to, 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 to make sure that there's nothing that stops them achieving that but like really we, we wanted to create like a nice relaxed atmosphere good quality like local food not overly complicated well priced you know that adds to the village and that you know people are coming to visit the village will think of as a destination to come and have a have a beer or have a, a zero mm. or a coffee and have have some good food just can I bring you just put your other cap on for a sec Nick yeah. um, are, are we kind of back to normal if there is such a thing after the whole pandemic are doctor surgeries the way they were before or will we ever go back there uh, I think we'll never go fully back there and I think that's probably a good thing but we should be back to normal as as we need to be so pe- people shouldn't really feel a whole lot of difference coming into the GP surgery anymore but I, I do think that we learned a lot Garrett, during the, the pandemic certainly uh, in our own practice I remember like the, the one of the big learnings was we need to protect the vulnerable people um, and so when you've got somebody who is immunocompromised or somebody who's elderly or somebody maybe on cancer treatment and you have to be careful that they're not sitting in a waiting room with patients who may have a flu or may have may have another like respiratory and it's not just COVID no you know and, and so so we I think we did learn a lot um I'm glad to see that the masks are gone mm-hmm. but I do think that like you know in healthcare settings and some basis for symptoms for the protection of vulnerable it probably is a good idea that people would still wear masks just for that 20 minutes that you're in notice of the doctor's surgery um, but I haven't seen a mask in one of my patients for a couple of months and I don't wear a mask myself but if anybody wanted me to I would um, but I think that's, that's the big learning that we that, that, that you know respiratory illnesses have you know they have a disproportionate effect on the vulnerable uh, medically vulnerable patients yeah. in society and we should continue to take that message forward that we protect them from other viruses not just the coronavirus Okay, Nick. Um, I like the comparison, actually, um, in relation to the hostelry. The or think O'Grady's on the pier in Galway, one of my favourite places. Oyster and seafood restaurant in Barna. Yeah, we'll be, we'll be hoping because oh, if, if, if we got halfway there, uh, Gareth, we'll be doing very well. Yeah, no, no. I mean, we, we, we're certainly we, we're going to aim to create something that's really nice and very mm. special, and that when people think of where they might go for a Sunday lunch or where they might go for a Saturday meal, that will be one of the options that you think about, and that we will create something that's consistent, good quality, and good value. So. Look, we're, we're looking forward to, to, to all of that. And just before I go, do you mind if I say mm-hmm. thank you to two or three people just very Please. quickly? Yeah, no Sam problem. Kingston of Casey and Kingston Auctioneers. Sam was fantastic during the, I suppose, the, the, the process of buying, buying, buying the premises. And also, I was supported very much by um, a team of professionals in Orbiters. Uh, they were the legal team and they did the conveyancing and that. So, Paul and Mike and Tommy there were, were very good. And just finally, thanks very much to JP English and his team in the OR. They've created a great product with a great service and just reading the, the comments on social media, wishing good luck and uh, best of luck in, in future ventures really is heartwarming and we hope that we can kind of 
integrate into the community the same way that JP and his team has. And uh, and then the very last thing, we'd like to welcome the customers back as soon as we get open. Great. Okay, we look forward to dropping in. Thank you, Nick. Good Thank to talk you, to you. Gareth. I Take appreciate care. that. Bye-bye. 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 That's Dr. Nick Flynn, uh, who continues his uh, long and well-established uh, medical practice, but now the... Um, the, uh, the new boss uh, at the hostelry, the ore there, which uh, that was definitely the one we were actually a beautiful location. And uh, now that things pretty much from a social point of view on the social scene, hopefully things are back to normal. Uh, definitely, definitely worth a visit. Now, Cathy uh, says, morning, Gareth, just to say how fabulous it is to have you on air last week. And again, this week we're spoiled and could easily get used to it. Any chance? <laughs> No, I don't think so. Keep up your great work and keep well. I will. Yeah, no, I'm kind of in behind the scenes. I'm doing lots of bits and pieces and uh, I'm writing a novel at the moment, which I'm hoping will be out next year. And uh, I have a new podcast in the off. So uh, more on that when we kind of have a handle on what what's going to be happening there. Talk about being vague. But I will be back in fairness. Uh, PJ, great friend, always has been, always will be. Um, and the team asked me to stand in when he's not here. So I will be back again in October uh, for around about the bank holiday weekend. But don't worry, we're here. This is only Monday and I'm here all of this week and next Tuesday after the bank holiday as well. In relation to the library protest, uh, caller says, this scenario outside Cork Library is maddening. Do any of these protesting think that teenagers aren't accessing the internet on their smartphones and learning about sex? via porn websites are those parents monitoring their teenagers phones I guarantee they'd be shocked if they did realistically how many teenagers do you think are actively taking out books about sex from the library they'd often be too embarrassed to even consider it uh, morning, this is Tanya. People need to move on with the times. My 16-year-old daughter sat me down two years ago and told me she was gay. She was terrified. I wrapped my arms around her and told her everything would be okay. And anyone that didn't accept her wasn't worthy to be part of her life. And I love her no matter uh, who she dates. I'm so proud of her. She's amazing. What a great mom, Tanya. And a great friend and confidant to have. And as I'm constantly reminding myself... What other people think about you is none of your business. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96FM. Lots more comments coming in in relation to the library protest and uh, Margaret's comments uh, earlier on. Somebody says here to me, I'd say you'd prefer if Margaret hadn't made those comments. No, not at all. I'm delighted Margaret made those comments. They're her own opinions and beliefs. And as I say, uh, we're all entitled to free speech within, of course, you know, personal limitations in the sense that, um, you know, if you go overboard and you say things that are incorrect and you accuse people of doing things that they didn't, well, then um, there has to be vocally a heavy hand brought down pretty quickly, you know. Uh, so once Margaret is aware of that, and we were delighted to have her on today. Now, the fedora is back. If you don't know what a fedora is, it's a beautiful hat. Um, and I must go looking for my old one, and if not, I might go out and invest in one, actually. Thanks to Oppenheimer and Peaky Blinders, Flat Caps, well, they've become so popular in recent years. Uh, one of my favourite films, uh, The Wind That Shakes the Barley, Flat Caps, very, very popular there. As they were, um, they were kind of like a fashion statement back in uh, the, the early 20s, particularly with young men in their 20s. Dave O'Connor uh, from Suit, Dis- Suit Distributors joins me on the line. Dave, great to talk to you. 
Welcome back, Gareth, and it's great to see you back after your serious accident. Thank you so much. fantastic broadcasting voice. Ah, thank you, Dave. Good morning, um, yeah. Lovely to talk to you, and usually we, we get to chat if I'm kind of looking for a tie or a shirt, but it's lovely to have you on the show this thank morning. You, Tell me, what, like Killian Murphy, he has now become a kind of a, a style icon, and uh, clearly the fedora, which is... Um, a fashion item I, I never thought it would m- make itself as popular again the great Gatsby of course I remember reading the book in school and it was fabulous is the fedora becoming a must have again? the fedora is slowly becoming a must have again at the moment we can see a gradual breakthrough into graduations kids are asking for their fedora for their grads you know and for weddings as well you know for grooms and weddings and at the moment in Ibiza and you know they're wearing their fedora in bright colours, going to clubbing and, you know, in, in foreign weddings as well, like Spain and Portugal, you know? Mm. But a friend of mine at the moment has a factory in Italy and he makes fedoras. And um, I was there two weeks ago with him and he's absolutely chock-a-block with orders, you know? Wow. And just, 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 delivery of the fedora is going to come in the house in two weeks' time. Brilliant. Right, I, well, I'll get in the queue for that one, Dave, that's for sure. Thank you. Yeah. Um, the, the fedora, if I remember rightly, years ago, I remember the the, the ad for uh, Sandyman Port. Uh, the port that's right. Um, Mr. Sandyman always wore a fedora, didn't he? That's correct, yeah. And, like, many years ago, as we know from the films, Al Capone, Humphrey Borgak, Frank Sinatra, and my own late grandfather, had one over 60 years ago. I can remember as a young kid, you know, mm. him wearing a fedora, you know. And um, it's like, in my era, over 42 years in the fashion business, the leather jacket was very popular, the Bowie suit, the rave jeans. And I can see the fedora coming in slowly, you know, and I think it's going to be a big fashion item, you know. Yeah, because it it is, it has a, a sort of an understated classiness about it, hasn't Correct, it? Correct, yeah. Yeah. What, like, what sort of colours would would be popular? Well, at the moment, there's a big demand for um, navy, sort of dark grey, um, a sort of a sandy, beige colour, you know? Mm. And white as well is very popular. And over the weekend there, I was reading the Irish Independent, and I see Rachel Allen had one on, you know, in her column. All right. So, wow. you know, yeah. it's, it's gradually becoming again, you know, for women as well. And as you know... The fedora is actually a symbol of liberation, assertiveness, and it started off. With, uh, it was used, worn by them, by the by, by women in the in this in the thirties and the forties, by the women's um, liberation groups. You know, right? Right. You know, so that's where it actually came from first there. And just in case anyone listening hasn't seen the movie Oppenheimer, this is the signature hat that Killian Murphy wears in the film. There's a blockbuster movie, a huge movie this summer, in which he plays the father of the atomic bomb, and it's triggering the latest wave of Killianitis in millinery circles. That's the, right. The milliner is the the designer of hats. That's correct. That's, that's, that's correct, yeah. But as you know as well... Um, like Indiana Jones in the eighties was it was worn, you know, that's that right, yeah. and and at the moment Kiki Brainers and Mad Men, you know, and you know, at the moment as I said there to you, it's um it was first inspired by a French drama um a drama play in the in the in the eighteen nineties. Mm. That's where the Indiana originally came from, you know? Mm. And um, as I said there I can see it gradually coming into them into the fashion world, like, you know, and mm. It's it's classy. It's 
you know, it's 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 it's, it's you know, it's it's warm and it's it looks classy on people, like you it know. Does. In my what, what would it go well with, Dave? I think at the moment it would go very well for for you know for the groom on his on his wedding day, you know, and, and you know it, um, and then you know it's kind of for maybe a graduation suit. It stands out, you know. It made your graduation there. Mm. It makes a statement, you know. Well, and can I just ask you on a more general question, Dave? Oh. As 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 Cork's father of fashion, yeah. I, I'll call you that. Uh, Thank you. What what's coming in now for the autumn? We're 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 only we're less than twenty four hours away from the first of August, which I suppose is the first day of autumn. P, PJ wouldn't agree, but yeah. um, he's not here. But what 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 are you looking at now? What what are the fashion trends? What we're looking at at the moment now is you know like let's let's say if, you know if basically is we do a lot in this wear shorts, matching colors, you know, jeans, very popular. Um, suits are at the moment are incredible for graduations and weddings, you know. Mm-hmm. And like cover suit, you know, sort of less is more, not big bright checks. And um, basically, we do, you know, at the moment, we have a massive demand in shoes at the moment, classy shoes. Mm. And I can see the strap, a strap type, type shoe as well. But I can see the fedora fitting in with that as well, you know, that, that type of look. Yeah. The Humphrey Bogart look, the Cassidy look, you know? That's it. Like That's that look. You've hit the nail on the head. I was trying to think of it. Humphrey Bogart. That, uh, yeah. I mean, he was Mr. Fedora, wasn't he? He was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was, yeah. Dave, great uh, to yeah. chat to you. And thanks, Gil. Great to see you back. And, yeah. you know, thanks, thanks for everything. We'll thank see you, you soon. Take care. Dave O'Connor there from Suit Distributors here in Cork. Now, uh, staying with fashion, it's the end of an era as another much-loved Cork business closes its doors after 30 years in the city centre. And I'm talking about uh, Liam Lynch, jeweller, there in Market Parade. Um, and uh, Liam is on the, the line. Morning, Liam. Good morning to you. Are you retiring? Th- thanks for having me on, yes, um, at the end of September. Oh, and what made you make that decision? Uh, my age, I'm 72. Right, and I hope you've planned plenty to do, because that's a very young age, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel young anymore, really, but but uh, I don't feel old either. Yeah. Uh, no, it is just the time has come, and it is the right time to do it. We want to go while we're strong, yeah. not when we're weak, you know what I mean? And we've, we've had it very good, so we, we we made up our minds we'd go now. Yeah, and I, I, I'm completely with you on that, because I think when you've got so much in mind that you want to do, now's the time to do it. Something just tells you, go now. Exactly my thoughts, yeah. Yeah. Tell me about the jewellery business. It's changed so much, isn't it? I mean, online influences now, you can go to, you can pretty much go to, Amazon's got everything. And, you know, as, as Stephen King says in his book, Billy Summers, is you can get anything on Amazon. Um, is the internet affecting the jewellery trade? Um, well, not always, because we, we're more a service shop. Right. So we were, we were never as busy as we are now. But in the branded stuff, yeah, it makes a huge difference because you can get the branded stuff online. You know, like the, the branded watches and the, the branded jewellery. But not the other stuff, the, the traditional stuff. You still have to come and see and see how, what weight it is and see how nice it is and put it on your hand and everything like that or put it around your neck, you know, well, if it is a bracelet. And, you know, you, you still have to look at it. Was there a heyday for for the, the the business? Like when you look back over the years that you've been in business, Liam, when when was your when was your best time? And um, it was absolutely continuously good since we opened. 
mm-hmm. and we're, we're here 38 years. Um, nothing much changes really for us. Again, we're the traditional jeweller. Um, the engraving didn't change, the jewellery repairs didn't change, the watchmaking didn't change. But um, the other shops came and they'd all the big brands, but we, we were never affected by their business. And you're the classic high street shop that relies on word of mouth and, and the fact that so many people to go back to you over and over again, don't they? Yes, yeah. yes. We, we, we've had uh, people who came in first and now their grandchildren are coming in. Wonderful, beautiful people. You know, th- th- we really want to thank. I want to thank for my heart for all the nice days I had here with them and uh, their good wishes at the moment. Mm-hmm. But they really have been good to me. And anyone in particular you, you'd like to say thank you to or wish well? Well, the, you know, there's so many. I'd hate to pick out one yeah. person, but but um, you know, people from all over Cork City and Cork County and the counties like Tipperary and Kerry and Watford we have customers from all these places that come to us regularly Well Liam it's great to talk to you and I wish you well I, I, I don't like the word retirement because I, I think you, you, you tend to be busier when you take the time to do these things than you've ever been in your life so enjoy how busy it gets Yeah listen to me thanks very much for your, your nice words and you. the opportunity to thank the people of Cork for their lovely business Thank you okay thank you Liam take care Thanks that's uh, Liam Lynch there from Liam Lynch Jewellers. Um, he's he's heading off on a different direction now. He's going to catch up on all those things he's wanted to do uh, since before 38 years when the shop opened uh, there in Market Parade. Uh, a couple of comments. Sad to hear this, Gareth. I bought all jewellery, watches, rings, christening gifts, communion, confirmation albums, pens, 21st birthday gifts, etc. from Liam. And he engraved them all for me. And I bought a lot of gifts from him. He's a lovely, genuine man and his business will be missed by many. That's from Rita. Well, Rita, you've got until the end of September. Two months to go. Tomorrow, 1st of August, so get in and savour just the, the quality and the, the lovely, I suppose, the, the, the drawback that this wonderful shop has had down through many, many, many decades and a couple of generations. In relation to the library protests, still texts coming in. You can continue to send them in, please. Opinion at 96fm.ie if you want to email. Um, these, let me see. John says, it's my understanding that this book will be accessible to children under 12. It contains descriptions of scatting, S-C-A-T-T-I-N-G. I've never heard of this, so we looked it up. Uh, apparently, um, it's something to do with freaking someone else out. Sounds wonderful. Uh, John says, does Gareth think this is appropriate? Um, well, it, it, he, it, go back to what the, the point you made, John. You say, it's my understanding that this book will be accessible to children under 12. Well, if it's in a library, it's accessible to everybody who goes into the library. Um, and, you know, I, I think children under 12, unless they know about the book, won't go looking for the book. And if they do go looking for the book, they probably won't get it in a library. They can get it far more anonymously by buying it online. Do I think it's appropriate? Um... I don't know. I must think about that. Um, Another caller here says, if a child doesn't understand the material in these books, he's going to think it's some kind of subject he should be learning. Um, There's one section where they're being taught about oral sex. There's no way that a library and books on their own is the correct way to be learning about this. Bernie says, there's only two genders to me. I have no problem with gays and anything like that because it's not my concern but I do have concerns about things like toilets and changing rooms I have to say it would be a worry that we would see abuse of people using those facilities and finally Susan says how amazing and how brilliant Margaret was and all the radio presenters seem to be afraid to upset the Lord Mayor I hope both Gareth and the Lord Mayor do get an opportunity to look at the book well we will get in touch with each other and we'll both go and try and find it so thank you for that Susan she says they might really have a different outcome 
outlook. Thank you so much. Uh, nice sunshine coming out outside our window. Today's show was edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Thanks to Wayne at the desk. We're back tomorrow from 9. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.